undead horses, vampires, zombies, and perhaps the only crying game reference ever on a video game podcast, the GameCritics.com podcast starts right now. Welcome to the GameCritics.com podcast, episode 76. I'm Dylan Collins, and with me today, our fearless leader, Chi Kung Lu. Hello, Chi. Hey, Dylan. How's it going, man? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing good. Excellent. The uh, senior editor, Brad Galloway. Hello. Hey, everybody. Did you get your internet working again? Barely. I got it working about an hour and a half ago, so it was a pretty close call. You gotta love Comcast. Or not. Or not. Um, Mike Bracken is here. Good evening. Good evening. And Richard Nyack. Hi. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. People have a certain expectations of you, sir, when you when you are introduced. I know. And I think it would be a shame if you let them down. I know. R- Richard's not a monkey. He doesn't perform on command. <laughs> um, today we're going to be talking... Yeah. We're, we're doing a little bit different. We don't have a, a huge main topic. We're going to do what we've been playing. We're going to do some listener questions, and we're going to talk about The Walking Dead Episode 2, which I'm excited about. Um, I know that the new DLC for Skyrim has come out recently, and Brad and she have been playing a lot of it. So I thought we'd start off talking about Dawnguard today. And um, Brad, let's, let's go to you first. How is it? I know that a lot of times, it seems to me a lot of times the first piece of DLC out for a game kind of sucks. Is this the case with Dawnguard? Um, we will get to that in a second, but I have to say, I can't. I cannot do this show without hearing a hello, every people's from Richard. I just can't, and I know the audience can't either. Come on, Richard, let's have it. Ah, fine for for you, Brad. Okay. Hello, every peoples. There we go. Ah, there it is. There Technically, it is. it's greetings, every peoples, but we'll take what we can get from you. Sir. Whatever, close enough, man. Okay. I, 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 feel, I like I, feel... the, I like the inhaling, man. That was. Uh... I know. I, I had to prepare. I wasn't ready to do it tonight. I had to prepare. <laughs> brace himself that's good. okay now that we got that out of the way i feel like my head is clear and we can we can go forward so like okay so official. okay yeah definitely okay so this may sound kind of weird since i am not a skyrim fan at all and maybe it's catching people by surprise that i'm leading off this segment um so to give just a little bit of background from where i'm coming from to kind of set this up for where we're going um i hated skyrim when it came out fucking hated it i thought it was the most boring game in the world it blew me away that so many people thought it was great and that so many people were saying good things about it and I just, I just, I, I couldn't get out of my PS3 fast enough, I, or my 360 fast enough. I think I put maybe 15 hours into it the first time, and I was like, dude, this, this blows. Like, it totally blows. So why am I playing the DLC now, you may ask. Good question. So my son, who is 10, is staying with me for the summer, as he always does. And this is the first year that he's ever expressed any interest in RPGs. And he's usually, like, Mr. Like, uh, racing Game or Mr. Like, totally Tedious iPhone Game. And even though, like, we're both gamers and I love that he has a love of gaming, like, we barely ever play the same games, which sucks because I want to, like, bond with him on this. And it's it seems weird that I'm, like, this lifelong gamer and yet I never play games with him because he plays these games that I think are awful. So I'm like, if you can play an RPG, I don't give a shit that it's Skyrim. I will play Skyrim with you because that's something I can at least meet you halfway on. And he was down with that. So 
I didn't select it, by the way. It was it was in a box of games. I said, hey, son, here's this box of games. These are all okay for you to play. Pick whatever you want out. And he picked that. And I wasn't going to argue with it, so we just went with it. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> with Brett, that, did your heart Brett, sink Brett. when you pulled that out of the box? It did a little like, bit. Oh, mine mine would have. Brett, I Brett, said, no, like, no, like, son, like, that was your that was your mulligan pick. Pick again. At yeah. least you got Dragon Age Origins 2 out of your house before he could pick that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, that's not even in the house anymore. <laughs> I was going to say, I literally, Brett, my question is, why why didn't you take it out of the box beforehand? You know, that's a good question. And I was like, you know, if he wants to pick it, he can pick it. It's fine. I mean, it's 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 something I had around. And I honestly, okay, now this is going <laughs> to maybe piss a lot of people off. But I'm like, it's so simple and it's so repetitive. I think that it's a good kid's game because, they, you know, <laughs> kids can like, grind on dumb shit forever. I feel like, the angry people typing on their keyboards now. <laughs> I know. I can hear the clicking as we speak. But literally, that's what it was. It was like, right now. <laughs> it's so simple. It's so repetitive. It's so basic and boring. I'm like, my kid can grind forever on, like, certain games. And I'm like, if he can do that. He can, it, you know, he just might like Skyrim. He just might. Let's let's try this out. And lo and behold, he like he fucking loves it. He thinks it's like so fun. And I gotta say that playing it with him makes it a lot more fun for me. I don't, I do not really enjoy it on my own, but playing it with him is, is a lot more fun. And so he convinced me to start a new character so that we could both start characters at the same time and kind of go do parallel games. And I was a little hesitant to do that, but I figured, Jesus well. Jesus Christ, parallel games on top of that? Well, so, you know. So you guys totally got like, like 200 hours to kill instead of just to use the standard 100 hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's put a little more time into it than I have. But, you know, it's like he'll watch me while I play and he'll give me feedback and stuff. And then I'll stop and then I'll watch him play and I'll give him some tips. And it's a good family activity, man. Like in that context, I'm not, I'm not anti-Skyrim because if it gets us playing together, I'm down with that. So, so that's where I'm coming from. That's 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 my my take on Skyrim. So, Dawnguard. What is Dawnguard? Dawnguard is the first DLC for Skyrim. It's about uh, a group of vampire hunters called the Dawnguard, and they are fighting a group of apparently the oldest vampires in Skyrim, and there are some pretty badass dudes. And so you get to pick. You start off on this DLC quest. These these guys come up to you in a town and they say, "Hey, you should join the Dawnguard." And I go, "Okay." Let's let's make this happen. <laughs> so you go. They get they start you off in the quest, and pretty early on into it, you get a choice to go support the vampires or support the uh, the dawn guards. And I I personally supported the vampires, and apparently you can you know it's pretty different between both legs. So I can only speak to the vampire portion. My son has chosen the dawn guard portion. I've been watching him go through. Um, some things are different. Some things are the same. But I think for me, I'm I'm glad I went with vampires. Um, what's good about it? What's good about it is that. Being a vampire is actually pretty cool in Skyrim. I don't think it used to be, but they've actually enhanced the vampirism. It's It's got its own skill tree now, and in fact, the werewolves have a brand new skill tree as well, which they never had before. Um, you can become a, a vampire lord, and it gives you all these fun powers. You can turn into a, a swarm of bats. You can turn into a mist. You can hypnotize people and enthrall them. You can you get a force choke, which is pretty cool. Um, you get a, a bunch of like really powers that are pretty fun like fun fun things that were never there before so i really appreciated that and i think that doing the vampire stuff it kind of put a different spin on it for me because as soon as i became a vampire i'm like oh okay well this is interesting because what what towns am i going to terrorize and which towns do i want to keep safe and it kind of added like a whole extra layer of gameplay that wasn't there before so so just not to interrupt but you can if you become a vampire you can take it then out of the dlc and into the main game right yeah totally like so how the dlc works um it just just two or three new locations appear on the traditional Skyrim map. So mm-hmm. it's like the Vampire Castle is like at the extreme northern edge of the map, the same map that you've always had. 
So I don't know what would be there if you went there and didn't have the DLC. I guess it would be blank or something. But they, and like a castle appears there, and like the Dawnguard castle appears in some other part where there was nothing before. So it's just it just becomes integrated all the way uh, with the uh, the usual content. And and it's funny because if you start the mission and you don't finish it, if you're playing the Dawnguard side and you're going from town to town working another quest, like those vampires go aggro and they start attacking your towns. And I th- I've heard from several people it's possible that they kill. NPCs that maybe you don't want to die, so it kind of puts a little emphasis on wrapping that particular storyline up before you do the rest of it. Oh wow! Well, that, total, that totally happened to me. <laughs> Did okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so I gotta say, and I'm really curious to hear Chi's take on this. But so coming from the perspective that I thought Skyrim was boring as piss, I gotta say this DLC is actually not that bad. Um, so the thing that partially saves this DLC for me is one of the, the NPCs that you get. Her name is Serana, and she's a vampire, and she can become your follower. And she was amazing because, well, okay, not amazing, but she was better than anything else in Skyrim so far because she's got um, motivation, she's got relationships, you can do little dialogue trees with her. And she is a much uh, much more interesting and deeper character than anybody else I've met in the entire game because I can actually, number one, remember her name. Number two, I actually can tell you something about her. And number three, she's actually pretty cool. So I really dig that they put her in there. And that, to me, shows how weak the rest of Skyrim is where if more characters had had this kind of dialogue written for them, and on a human level, something that you can relate to, it would have made the game ten times ten times better. You know, instead of all this blah, blah, this, and this scroll, and this thing, and these people over here. I mean, all these names you can't remember and stuff. It, it just it was so much more interesting and so much more worthwhile. So I was able to follow along with the quest just to see how it would turn out for Serana. Gene, what did, what did you think? Yeah, it's interesting you brought up... Um, is this Serena or Serana? I, I... I thought it was Serana. Okay. Well, let's just go with that then. Um, it's, it's interesting you say that because the second she... You know, you you uh, somewhat little spoiler. I guess it's not really a spoiler, but the minute you meet her, or the minute you um, uh, un, un in, in, de entomb her, <laughs> what the right <laughs> word is for. Or, um, I was like, yeah, I was like instantly fascinated with her. You know, just 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 you know the the way she looked, the way she talked. I mean, it was the same voice, but just the way she came out just really was really interesting to me, and I was real. I was almost ready to join the vampire side just based on her alone. Like I'd, I'd do it for her. <laughs> I'd go, I'd go vampire for her, you know? Like, um, but then we made an, we made a prior agreement that we, that I would go the other route. So I kind of said, okay, fine, I'll, I'll save my game here and I'll, I'll maybe I'll revisit that later. And I'm already, I'm kind of glad even on the Don Gord side though, she sort of is still there. So maybe I, I'm fine with sticking to that. Uh, otherwise I kind of totally get what you're saying. Yeah. You know, like y- y- See, a lot of the other things that bothered you or that made it a game boring, Skyrim boring for you, didn't bother me as much, obviously. I still find other ways to amuse myself, and I continue to find uh, other ways to amuse myself, even with Dawnguard. I mean, I could have started playing this game even without Dawnguard, and it was, you know, as Skyrim is always the way it is, I find just so many ways to distract myself, so it took me forever just to get to the Dawnguard main quest. Like, I felt like I had to warm up a little bit to even get to that quest, and of course, warming up means going on you know, dozens of other fetch quests and crafting other kinds of weapons. And, you know, there's there's more weapons now as well in, in addition to the main quest line. Now there's um, uh, dragon, uh, dragon-based dragon weapons from the dragon scales and the dragon bones. So, of course, I had to quickly, you know, do a dragon bone um, um, bow for myself. So, uh, but I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, I, I agree that there is... So it does sort of highlight what's kind of lacking there in terms of in terms of character. I mean... Story-wise and structure-wise, you know, for me it felt more or less like a, like a, a really big patch. You know, 
I, I'm really surprised, you know, that they, they would charge $20 for this. I mean, I don't know. If, I don't know how you feel about the value-wise. I mean, it just seems like one more mission otherwise, with the exception that there are a lot of mini patches, patched um, items. Like, you get now have, you know, crossbows. There's those dragon weapons. You know, apparently there's there's um, uh, a few new uh, finishing moves from hand-to-hand combat, which was great for me because I, I, that's something I'm still trying to mess around with, with just to play unarmed combat. Um can't think of anything else. What was what else was there, Brad? There's, there's a couple pretty cool perks. Um, you can summon a brand new dragon. You can summon a zombie dragon. You earn that new summon. It's, it's a shout that you can activate. You get a you get the ability to summon an undead horse anytime you want to, which I thought was awesome. Um, as, as a vampire? Yeah. Well, I don't know if it holds true in the Dawn Guard mission, but on my side, yeah, you can earn a summon for uh, an undead horse and two different kinds of, of monsters that you can summon. And I'm a I'm a summoner right now, so that worked out perfectly for me. Um, and there's a couple other things as well that I thought were neat. And also, it's interesting to note that on the vampire side, uh, you can also fly. Like, when you turn into the vampire form, uh, it's kind of like you glide over the... You don't fly like in the sky like a dragon, but you can fly pretty quickly. It's almost, I think, faster than actually riding a horse. So that was pretty fun. Um, yeah. Made me... Uh, give me a good reason to up my stamina. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think it, it does feel like a regular mission, but it feels like one of the big, one of the big missions. And there's also... Um, Apparently, some people have said there's quite a few hidden side quests that get added to the game. I haven't taken the time to to weed those out because that's more boring bullshit that I'm interested in. But uh, apparently, <laughs> it's there if you want it. I don't know how you can weed those out too, because you know you can talk to anybody and they'll give you a quest, which is like, you know, the the main one big problem with Skyrim is that it's just too much, almost too much content in there. So I, I don't know how you would even find those extra quests. But yeah, that's yeah, funny. I don't know either, man. But you know, I I, I do want to say though that it's really interesting that this. DLC came out because I actually was having a fairly good time following the vampire quest and it just, like I said before, it really shows what's wrong with most of the game, but I do want to say that um, whenever we got to a dungeon my appreciation of this game went right back in the fucking toilet because I don't know what Bethesda's problem is but their dungeons are like ten times longer than they need to be and they're way boring they're super repetitive and dull and I was as I was going on the vampire storyline, it was going pretty good because you get to these um, locations that are short, like you get there and a lot of times you're just like in the overworld, so that's cool. And uh, you you know you go to this thing, you talk to this guy, whatever, you do something really quick, and that's fine. As long as the game keeps moving, it's fine. But then you get to these dungeons, especially like the Dwemer dungeons, and I'm like, oh my fucking god, dude, I want to jump off a bridge and kill myself because these are so boring. It's like there's just like endless corridors and endless of the same uh, creatures that you got to kill, and you're just like, you know, this sucks, this sucks, it's so dumb and boring and slow, and like, why does anybody think this is good? And I don't see why anybody would get any kind of enjoyment out of that stuff. So, after playing Dawnguard, I'm like, you know, I I could almost see Skyrim being a cool game if they added way more characters that actually mattered, more humanity, and like, shorten the dungeons, like, I would think it would kind of be better, at least, at least better. I mean, she, I know you're not a Skyrim hater like I am, but I mean, do you, you kind of see where I'm coming from on that? Yeah, you know, this is my like third go around now because I restarted on the 360, right? So yeah, the the board, the dungeons are, and plus my weapons are like super maxed out. I sort of you know use the exploit trick a little bit. I didn't go overboard and like like make the most you know godlike bow ever, but it is pretty high up there in power that I can almost one hit kill almost next to anything. So. You know, yeah, it does get kind of repetitive once once you're along those lines. That's why I'm amusing myself with unarmed combat, you know, and suplexing guys from behind is still pretty pretty fun. And getting a cutscene for that. But so, but no, I, I do agree that the dungeons do get a little repetitive, and um, yeah, I, I still like the graphics. I like the environments in terms of just the, the ambiance of it. 
but yeah, they, I agree that they could stand to be a little bit shorter. I know with Fallout, there was a level cap, and then the first uh, DLC, I think it was the first one, up the level cap. Is, is, does it do anything like that, this DLC for Skyrim? Uh, I've got no clue. My character right now is like at level 13, and I don't really foresee going much higher than <laughs> okay. that. Um, gee, maybe you, maybe you have some info on the higher levels. I, 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 didn't, I didn't push anything. I mean, I'm already, I'm like 47, okay. so and it gets it gets pretty hard to level up uh, later on as, you, as you're maxing out all your skills. So I don't know. I don't know if there's actually a level cap, and my understanding also is that there's an armor cap anyway. And so no matter how powerful you get, you know, they can still do 20% worth of damage to you no matter what. Oh wow. Yeah. What about uh, how long is it? Would you say overall? Mm, I don't know how far you are in your Dawnguard mission, Chi, but in my vampire branch, it's pretty long. It's pretty significant. It's it's equivalent to any of the major major quests. Mm-hmm like the mage quest or the companion quest. I mean, where there's like, you know, multiple stages to it. I mean, I think I've probably put in m- at least 10 hours, if not more. And I'm, that's like totally like crit pathing. Like I'm not doing any of the side side shit, none of the bonus missions, just like whatever I need to do to get through it. And I just want to do it, you know, the, the most enjoyable bits and skip all the rest. So at, at least 10 to 15 hours, I think. Chi, what about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm like, not, I'm like pretty early on in it. But um, it, it does feel, like you said, one of the more significant missions. And even as I'm doing some of the other dungeons now, it could take quite a bit of time. <laughs> like I said, it's very easy to get distracted. So, so is it? would you guys say overall, is it worth the $20? Chi? I would have to say no. For $20, that seems pretty steep for me. I mean, I would have loved to see this thing maybe at $5, $10. But that's just me, like I said. Because... I don't know. I, you know, I don't see enough. In, it just it feels like a big patch to me. I, you know, I almost wish they, they would give it away free. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Brad? Uh, it's tough to say because on the one hand, I really do appreciate that there is a different kind of content in here that actually made the game like you know somewhat enjoyable in, in a sense. Mm-hmm. So that to me was was worth it. But twenty bucks is pretty steep. I mean, I think maybe if it was fifteen, I would I would be able to recommend that to anybody for fifteen bucks. Uh, but for 20 bucks, mm, depends on how big of a Skyrim fan you are. I mean, if you're a big Skyrim fan, you probably already got it. But, but I will say that the vampire stuff has been thumbs up, and I don't regret ponying it up. And really, really, the main reason I got it in the first place was because my son wanted the van- uh, the werewolf perks. So I basically paid 20 bucks for werewolf perks. So from that perspective, <laughs> I did get my money's worth. So, so sorry, Brad. While you're going, going back to that for a second, um, I, yeah. thought the, I thought the I thought the the uh, vampire lord had a skill tree, but not the vampire per se. Are you saying the vampire, if you're just a regular vampire, you get a, a skill tree as well, or is it just Oh, no. Kid? No, I'm sorry. I should have clarified that. Yeah I, yeah, I think if you just, like, contract vampirism from one of the generic vampires, it doesn't do that. But if you become the vampire lord, which is actually part of the vampire story in Dawnguard, then you get, like, all these perks and these powers and right. skill tree and stuff, yeah. But you're saying the werewolves do have a, a, a perk line now. They do. They do have brand new perks. And it all, for the vampires and the werewolves both, you do not gain those perks by, by regular experience. You have to actually kill people for those. So that's actually one cool thing was like when I first became a vampire lord, I went to one of the towns that I didn't give a shit about. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to fuck all you guys up. And I, I went vampire in the middle of the town and I just started slaughtering like everybody. And like these guards kept coming out and coming out. And I'm like taking them down one by one. And I see the little pop-up saying, you got a perk, you got a perk, you got a perk, you got a perk. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, that was a pretty good time. Like, I enjoyed that. I wish there was more of that in Skyrim. So. Mike, you've been playing a lot of Demon Souls lately, correct? 
Yeah, it's uh, kind of funny, actually. Uh, you know, it was our, what, game of the year 2009? <laughs> better late it's than never. a couple of years, yeah, better a yeah, couple yeah. of years. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I didn't have a PS3 the year that it was our game of the year, so I remember I picked something else that year and said, oh, I really wish I'd been able to play Demon Souls. And then I finally got a PS3, and the first thing I bought for it was Demon Souls, and I played about, I don't know, eight or nine hours, and it was good and and challenging and then i just quit because i had other stuff to do and and so i picked it up again like a week ago and i've been playing compulsively since then so now i understand why it was game of the year for us for that year because it's really phenomenal so but everybody already knows that so i'm like late to the party but i i haven't finished yet but i'm actually very close to the end of the first playthrough i've like cleared everything except the the end of world one and the last two parts of world five and i gotta say man the game is is not it wasn't as hard as i was expecting it to be i guess because i've heard for so long that it's so brutally difficult that i just expected it to slaughter me at every turn and while there is definitely a learning curve to it you you get to a point where you just basically learn how the game works and you don't die all the time or at least i haven't and i've gone through boss fights and not died and all these other areas and and everything and then i get the five two which is like the first area in the game where i have died constantly and where it feels like man this is a little bit cheap and they kind of phoned it in so uh, <laughs> i'm hoping that this is the valley of defilement and and you go into this area and it's a gigantic swamp and it makes you it poisons you and you can't run you can't move as fast and everything you can't see anywhere because it's like pitch black and so you're like just in this giant morass of poison water which is constantly poisoning you and, <laughs> and, and you're like popping potions to get the poison off and and because if you don't then you use your healing potions and they don't do enough they don't heal you to fool because if you're poisoned they they're less effective and uh man it's like i i I love this game so much and then i've got to this stage and i feel like man maybe they should have just ended this like at four worlds because it feels like they were just sort of phoning it in at this point I, i don't know did you guys feel that way when you played it it's funny you say that, dude, because everybody who plays that section has kind of the same reaction. I mean, including myself. But I got to say, like, that's an awesome level. It's a really awesome level because when you first get to the end of the bridge part and you look out into the vista, like, mm-hmm. it looks like it goes on forever. Like, yeah. there's like it's just dark and it's star a few stars, but yeah, you, you, you just it just, just it, yeah, it, look, it looks like hell down there, doesn't it? Like, it looks terrible, and you go down there and it is hell, it, and it it's is. totally oppressive and. <laughs> I mean, that, that to me is like, it's so awesome that they did that level because it's like one of the worst levels ever in, in the sense that it's really anti-player. And it's kind of cool that it's there. Like, and when you when you eventually get done with it, I bet you'll feel like this great, like, relief. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you really feel like you've accomplished something, you know? <laughs> it's like a thank God it's over kind of thing. It, it, yeah, it, it's really weird. I, I, I mean, it's just the... the whole game up to this point has been just so perfect i i I always loved kingsfield the ancient city on the ps2 that was like one of my favorite ps2 games and this is like the spiritual successor to that and it does everything that that game did it's difficult but it's fair it has its own set of rules and once you learn the rules you're fine 
uh, and it has this ambiance and atmosphere, and it's really desolate and lonely and everything, and it just really, really works. And then I get to this stage, and it's like, it just, this 5-2 so far just seems sort of incongruous with everything that's come before it to me for some reason. And I'm I'm not going to quit or anything like that. It's just It's just been a real chore moving through it so far and i i have i have dropped a lot of souls in there i will tell you that so <laughs> i would be really interested to hear your reaction when you get to the boss because i think for me that the boss of that world is very very it's awesome like it's really awesome it's very mm-hmm. fitting and it's just it's perfect with what what demon souls is all about so when you get to that you know hit me up or something i don't want to ruin it for you because you know they'll be ashamed to ruin it but when you get there to me, it was the perfect cap to like all the shit you just went through. Well, that's good to know. I I also was curious. Uh, what what is like the recommended soul level to beat to beat the game, so, and then to move on to new game plus and not get like smited? She, you got any opinion on that? I actually never finished it. What? Uh, yeah. What? Oh, what? I got I got to the I got to the final world and. Uh, just got so distracted by the light and dark world, I was like sort of obsessed with that for a little while, and and then, then I just sort of ended it there. <laughs> oh man! Oh jeez. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, so looking, thinking back, it's been a while since I played it. I think I was at level, I want to say forty-five or fifty when I beat it the first time. I could be oh, way off, but that's hit. that's yeah. what it seems like to me. Yeah. What level are you I'm, at? I, I'm at soul level like ninety-four right now. Oh my god! Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> You're way beyond what yeah. you need to be then. I oh, okay. Well, because, you know, I'm, I'm like, looking, and some guys are saying, yeah, if you play through it, you, you'll usually beat it around soul level 60, and then you'll go into New Game Plus, and you can't spend any of the souls till you beat the the slime boss again, and and it, and the difficulty in the first New Game Plus goes up, like, almost 50%. And so I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, you know, I'm, like, walking through most stuff right now, except for the stuff in this fucking swamp, because I can't roll or move. I'm always poisoned, uh, but yeah. So I was I was a little bit afraid of what might happen when I when I got to New Game Plus and if I wasn't leveled properly. So, but I guess uh, I guess I can just push on and stop killing all those uh, those flying manta rays in level four four for cheap easy. <laughs> so you, so you did you you've done your share of grinding there then, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know me, I'm a grinder. I grind right, everything, right. so. <laughs> For that game to be easy, you must have grinded the hell out of that thing, and for I, you to set your level so high, that's probably why it's easy, because you probably... I, yeah. I did, I, I I started grinding uh, 4-2, you go, uh, you drop down from the archstone, and you go in, and there's a reaper, and then you go up the side, and there's uh, one of those dual katana knights, and yep, with, yep, like, yep. The, ring yeah. of, the ring of avarice, that's like, in regular game, that's like 10,000 souls, and it takes me, like, you know, a minute to do it, and then I just spell cast out of there, back to the Nexus, and do it again. So, so yeah, I did a bunch there, and then, like, I did, I did like, I don't know, fifteen, like fifteen levels tonight, and on those mantas with the with that sword that you get sword from the boss. Yeah, yeah, the sword of storms. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and and it would have been more, except I fucked up once and lost like three hundred thousand souls because I'm an idiot. Oh, so, <laughs> but because uh, I wasn't paying attention, so. So yeah. the servers, the servers are gone now, right? And you just no, no, they're still there. No, oh, they're still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they were supposed to close them in May, and that's what convinced me to start playing again. 
I was like, oh, I'm trying to get to this before, you know, the end of May, and I wasn't going to make it. And then they came out and said, oh, surprise, we're keeping them on indefinitely. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so, so I was like, okay, but that's like a sign that I, I better play this. So I, I decided, you know, to get back into it. I, I got to say, that's so awesome on the part of Atlas, you know, because, I mean, they really love their fans, um, despite what anybody says uh, with the current mm-hmm. hubbub going around uh, with some region locking stuff right now, but I mean, you know, they've had they've had an incredible history of loving their fans, giving their fans what they want, really listening to the fans. And when they announced they were going to close those servers, you know, they they extended it by like a year. After that year, they're going to extend it some more, and they're like, you know, fuck it, we're just going to keep it running. I mean, dude, that's awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. how many games are not going to be worth a damn once the servers go down? It's like we're going to we're going to have exactly yeah, exactly he's closing servers to games that aren't even six months old so oh i know and seriously and this is what like demon souls has been out for what like three or four years now something like that yeah i mean it's incredible <laughs> that the servers are still there and i definitely i mean it's, it's just amazing man it just shows the power of the game that's three and four years yeah. out there are people are still playing. i see i see people's you know their spirit the white spirits i've got invaded i've been invaded several times uh, so yeah, people are still playing the game. I mean, they're, yeah, it's, they're it's incredible, up. incredible. We are going to ask you next episode if you've completed it yet. So people will right. be waiting. So no pressure. <laughs> oh, it, it will be completed. I believe in you, sir. It'll be done. Um, Guar- oh, guaranteed. Guaranteed. The Bracken guarantee is on that, so we will hold you to it. Unless, unless I get really grind happy and decide to get the like soul level one fifty before I beat, you know. Beat, beat the first through. <laughs> I, I don't think that's gonna happen, but I don't know. Don't, I, do, I do get in a mood sometimes. Don't, don't do what I did and try to try to get the most powerful bow, because then you're gonna start grinding for those drops. Oh my god, I did that yeah. for like weeks on end, man. Well, I, I was grinding to upgrade, you know, because because you know, I I was like, this game is something where if you if you just go into it cold, it doesn't tell you a lot. So I like I've read like a ton about you know builds and all this stuff, and so I'm like, oh. I need this katana with moonstone and stuff. So I've been right. grinding moonstones and yeah, grinding right, right. X souls. Probably wasted like five, ten hours just like going in the wrong, taking a wrong path yeah. in terms of my upgrade levels. So yeah, you did the smart thing. Yeah. yeah, it's but it's fun. It's a great game. It really is. Well, we wish you the best of luck completing it. I believe in you. I think you can do it. All right. Um, I'm gonna... Richard and I have been playing League of Legends. Well, I've been playing for a while, but Richard. You tried it out this week, right? Uh, I did. I tried it for the very first time. Um, I haven't played against any real players, uh, just against some, uh, you know, the AI and some bots. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's pretty fun. Um, having spent some time with Super Monday Night Combat recently as well, uh, the similarities between the two are that much more apparent now, mm-hmm. and it actually makes me appreciate Monday Night Combat a little bit more since I can see how it took because like League of Legends is it's a Dota game. It's got it's that real time strategy, uh, you know, it's that defense of the agents type of real time right. strategy. And then Super Monday Night Combat takes those Dota concepts and marries them to this third person shooter, and it works really well. So I kind of I, I have a bit more love for that game now, believe it or not. Um, however, but you're making the, you're you're confusing me even further, Richard, because it's not a third person first person shooter though, right? But you keep what? saying Monday Night Combat, is it? Yeah, let's, let's talk about what Dota is for the people that don't know. Dota stands for Defense of the Ancients, and I believe it was something people did with – was it World of Warcraft originally? No, it was Warcraft. It was a Warcraft, Warcraft 3 mod okay. Okay. that did it. But yeah, Dylan, you can probably explain the concepts better than I can. Um, basically, there's two teams of five, and there's three lanes, and each lane has turrets on it. 
and you're trying to push your lane. I'm probably doing a horrible job explaining this, but you're trying to push your lane <laughs> uh, forward and grab the turret, but the other people are trying to defend it. It's it's almost football like in a way with magic and stuff. Yeah, it's it's think of it. It's like it's a very football like set of rules, but with like point and click real time strategy gameplay. If that makes any sense. And the thing about okay. League of Legends, it's so cool. Is there's I think the 100th character just got released tonight. There's there's so many characters. There's so much different art on it. Um, there's like a Yeti character. There's all kinds of characters. That's what I like the most about it. It's it's a great game. Did you you didn't play against real people, which is good because the community for it is horrible. They suck. They're yeah, assholes. I, that, that was actually going to be my next question for you. I am honestly afraid of trying to join a ranked game, and I was going to ask you like the League of Legends community has you know a reputation, let's say, of being hot headed and particularly nasty and. The recent server outage they had kind of enhanced that image with you know so a lot of the reactions that the players had. So I was going to ask, do you think that reputation is deserved, or has your experience been different? My experience has been terrible with it. I'll be honest. I I only play with people I know. I don't play. I'll play against strangers, but I'll turn the all chat off because it, I get the impression it's a lot of like thirteen year old kids that just like swearing. It sounds mm-hmm. like probably similar to what people experience when they go online and play like first person shooters. Uh, it depends on the game, mm-hmm. honestly, because like I know because one of the things that uh, and this ties into what we were just talking about with the Demon Soul servers. But one of the things I've noticed with a lot of centralized communities where the servers are all controlled by the publisher, it's like you have to go to them to be able to play the game. It's that the general community is generally way worse. Like you deal with like just a lot more loudmouths. A lot of people are a lot mm-hmm. more whiny. Um, on the other hand, when you're dealing with something more like, and yes, I'm going to say it, Team Fortress or <laughs> Counter-Strike or just anything like that where the servers are actually player-owned mm-hmm. and rented and, like, you know, different pl- like players can actually, like, kick troublemakers out or, like, vote to kick them out or stuff. I mean, where, where players are a little bit – are a lot more self-policing, it's much, much more bearable. Um, it's – I mean, there's still, like, bad apples. I mean, it's the internet. You're going to find douchebags anywhere you look. But, I mean, it's so much more manageable when you're dealing with a decentralized situation like that. And on top of that, when we were talking – when a company decides to shut their servers down, like for Demon's Souls or even StarCraft II now or League of Legends, then that game is over. That game dies. You can't play it anymore. Team Fortress is never going to die. Because it's going to be up as long as, you know, people choose to keep their servers up because, you know, you can rent you can just rent a server from a host from like and you can just rent your own and start it if you want to. In fact, there's still people uh, there's still a pretty dedicated community that plays Team Fortress one and that game's still going. I mean, that game's like, what, 15 years old now? I mean, I mean, with that model, those games will never go away. These people need to play some new games, man. For better or for yeah, worse, exactly. Team Fortress will never go away. I, I'm not doing it. I, they are. I'm interested to know uh, what character you, what characters you played, Richard, when you played. Uh, I played as Ash. Okay. Um, that's the one that, that when I played the tutorial, uh, that's Ash is the one that uh, they have you use and show. She, she was the one I was, I was used to her her move set, yeah. and so I was playing as her in like some of the AI games. Um, as, when you start the game, you only have three available to you. It's mm-hmm. Ash, Garen, and um, oh, I forget the third guy's name. It's the the mage zombie looking looking guy. Oh, Sion, I think. 
No, it's not Scion. It begins with Rise. Or okay, Rise. Rise, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, I stuck with Ash. She was pretty easy to, to figure out. She's like this ranged uh, archer-type character. And I was doing you know pretty well against the bots. I thought I was learning the game, but I just wasn't quite ready to take that plunge into the, the general population of it just yet. It's pr- can, I ask a, yeah. can I ask a question? So it's it's five on five, but you only control one character, and is it a real-time strategy team or not? I'm still confused you about that. You control one character. Your teammates each control a character. You can also do three on three. It's it's a real-time strategy game with sort of a twist. Um... Yeah, you have each... There's five... Each player character is called a champion, and there can be up to five champions. And then there are also these minions that the player doesn't control that just, like, spawn at random. And really what you're trying to do is support your minions so it's like they can push through the lanes and push through the turrets to, like, the uh, the other team's base. Because, like, if you just try to run in there and start, like, shooting stuff yourself, you're going to die, like, instantly because you will not... You will not survive against a turret for very long. Okay. Uh, the I goal. Totally, I think I totally get it now. Yeah, yeah, you can you can take a turret if there's minions in front of you at the turret. So you really have to support your minions. Yeah, and that's and that's one of the reasons that uh, I think Ash uh, is the the character that they start put people out on is that she has to stay behind the minions and attack because she's ranged. You know, she can't go up front and take a whole bunch of damage. Like she has to stay back and attack with her bow, and it it kind of hammers that concept home because that's. I mean, even for, like, the more physical characters, you sort of have to still play like that. Yeah, and there, there's a hundred champions. They all have... They're, they're all very unique. They don't really play the same from one to the next, which is really cool. Uh, the art design's cool. How long did you play, Richard? Um, I think I played for about three hours, did three you, or four did hours. Did you catch on? It took me a good two or three days before I knew what I was doing. I, I caught on, but keep in mind, I had... Super Monday Night Combat yeah. to draw from, and I knew it was like a similar game because, like, the actual, the basic structure of the game between the two is almost identical. Because in Super Monday yeah. Night Combat, you have uh, the bots that you have to support, and you have to push them through, and there are turrets, and you have to get to the other team's money ball. In League of Legends, it's like the exact same thing. Yeah, it, it, yeah, they're they're pretty similar. It's, I think it's a good game if you just keep the all chat turned off and you play with people you know on your team. You should you know. be good. That would be yeah. my recommendation. My recommendation, but um, did you, would you like? Did you like it overall? Would you recommend it? Uh, I, I think I would. I mean, I know uh, several people that that played a lot, um, including you, Dylan. Yes. So I mean, I, I think it's something that uh, if I put enough time into it, I could could get into. If you want to, if you want to add me to your friends list, by the way, anybody listening, and you're not an asshole, it's Indie King Twenty Seven. Please feel free to add me. <laughs> <laughs> so, how does the the free to play? model work out for that game to, they, to you guys they do a really good job with the free-to-play model in that you don't have to spend any money you don't lose any part of the experience you don't have there's not certain champions that you have to spend money on the you, you can spend money if you want to buy different skins for champions like there's a werewolf character that if you buy a skin you can turn him into like the old lady from little red riding hood which is cool but like <laughs> you don't have to there's nothing in the game that you have to spend money on which i think is cool um they don't it the whole company itself doesn't come off to me as money grubbing or greedy or anything like that. Yeah, and it's and, and one of the things that I I think is a positive about uh, the free to play model is that forces the game to be very friendly to new players mm-hmm. because Super Monday Night Combat is very friendly to new players. League of Legends is I mean I spent four hours with it and I think I've you know got the basics down. It's extremely good at teaching you the rules of the game and mm-hmm. how you how you play it. And it has to be because I mean, free to play. I mean, if they're not, there's no upfront investment, then it pretty much has to be, or they're not going to make any money. And the community, as much as they're assholes, they 
they're pretty supportive of the game most of the time. When the when the servers went down, people were freaking out. But like people sit in art, they have like a little weekly YouTube video where they show like people that have done art like about the characters. So they they seem like they really care about their fans. So uh, have you people, have you spent people were angry when their free to play server went down? Yeah, I, yeah, yep. we could go into a whole conversation about that. I have <laughs> I have spent money on it. I've spent about seventy five, a hundred bucks on it, just buying skins and stuff. Really? Yeah. Really? Uh, but I don't like I said. If I if <laughs> no, I'm not judging. Just 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 surprised. My 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 philosophy is though like if I'm if I spend I probably play about four or five hours a night on this game. So if I'm spending that much time playing it and I'm enjoying it, I don't mind plopping down that much money because it's about what I would pay for a you know one or two retail games. Yeah, that, that's actually kind of how I feel about it as well. Because I mean, especially because they're not asking for any upfront right payment. And because it's like, you know, if they're not going to do that and it's like they have all these microtransactions in the game, I'm like, you know, OK, I'll support you financially because I because I like this. And it's not like certain Facebook games where you can't get past a certain part unless you spend money and there's no champion right. you have to spend money on. So I, I think they've done a good job with the free to play model. I think that's right. how it should be done. There, there's mm-hmm. not even any um, statistical bonuses on, on the skins, or is no, it pure... they're just—it's purely aesthetic. <laughs> some of so them—it's almost an honor system in a lot of ways, then, right? Some of them have like different voices or different like moves and stuff, but none of them add any bonus damage or anything. It's, it's purely aesthetic. So yeah, I think it's just people like the game so much that they—it's kind of yeah, it's kind of like oh, I have a skin. Look how awesome I am. Dylan, can you can you uh, buy stuff like skins with uh, credits you earn in game? No, because you can do you can do that in Super Mario Night Combat actually. You can't. The credits you earn in game you can only use to buy champions and these things that are called runes, which boost up your power later on. Um, oh, okay. But you can't you can't buy any skins with them. So okay. if you want skins, you have to pay money. But again, I think I think that there's so many things they could charge money for that would help you in game, which they don't, you use their IP for that. So I think, I think they do an awesome job with it. And, and, and I'm kind of surprised, but in a lot of ways that that doesn't make sense because the minute you start charging for bonus, you know, gameplay bonuses, mm-hmm. it becomes sort of dirty in, right. in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, once you, once you go that route, it just opens up the door. It's like you're paying for cheats in a lot of ways. Right. So and, and like, that's, interesting. that's one of the reasons why I don't mind spending money on the game. Like, I think if they were trying to do it the other way, I probably wouldn't spend money on it. I probably would, but I would be resentful of doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think they did a good job with it. And overall, Richard, you had a good experience playing it. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Definitely. Well, that is League of Legends. That is free to play. You can, I think it's LeagueofLegends.com. And the 100th champion apparently has just been released, so go check that out. Um, Richard, you had one more game to talk about really quickly? Uh, I did. I've also been playing uh, Quantum Conundrum. Uh, It's a puzzle game that's actually spearheaded by Kim Swift, who was the lead designer on the original Portal. And uh, this this has a lot of similarities to the original Portal. The structure of it is uh, almost identical, actually. It's a series of puzzle rooms that you have to solve with this thing called the Dimension Shifter, which uh, the shifter, it changes the environment around you in order to help you get past these obstacles. Like, if you shift a dimension, one of them is... Uh, one of the dimensions is, you know, the fluffy dimension where everything is really light. You can pick up, like, couches and stuff and move them around really easily. Um, and another one, they're extremely heavy and, like, you can't pick them up at all. And, like, you can use them to block lasers and stuff and they can break things for you. It's it's a pretty cool mechanic, I have to say. Um, it's a good game. 
Uh, it won't be the pop culture phenomenon that Portal was, obviously, but I'm I'm enjoying it. And also, uh, this game has copious amounts of John Delancey, who is the voice of the mad scientist, who, if you're not familiar with him, he played Q on Star Trek The Next Generation. So oh, come on. Everyone oh. knows him because he was on Days of Our Lives. I didn't know that. <laughs> well, either way, John Delancey... I actually did, is... I actually did know that. So yeah. Well, and he was, way, and he John... was on Breaking Bad. He was. I forgot about that. But, I know. Uh, I'm, I'm ashamed, Richard. I, you either way, question. John Delancey is all over this game, which is only a good thing. Well, hey, Richard, let me ask you a question, man. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm vaguely familiar uh, with this game. I haven't played it myself. It's, it's kind of on my list of things to watch. But I've been hearing a lot of less positive feedback than I would have expected. Um, and I think it's kind of coming from two angles. Um, the first angle is that a lot of people say it's too similar to Portal in that um, you have like a puzzle room and then you get like a little dialogue and then a puzzle room. Like it kind of feels like it, it follows too closely to that mold. And then the second complaint I've heard about is that the game kind of appears to be kind of like a family friendly ish kind of portal. Like it seems like it's almost like a good kids game, but that it's too demanding. Like, uh, like no kids could ever play it because you have to, you know, make a few pixel perfect jumps. And sometimes the timing is really tough. I mean, well, what, what's your take on that? Um, well, first, as far as the portal mold goes, the portal mold goes, um, it is identical to the portal mold. Like it is the structure of the game is it's the same. Like it's exactly the same thing. Um, and, that, and I don't consider that a bad thing, but I mean, it's, it's that's what it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, why would you why would people single that out? I, as, all these games follow templates. First person shooters, corridor shooters. You go down a corridor and shoot a bunch of enemies then you go to a room and rec- I mean, RPGs, town dungeon, town dungeon. I mean, it's not like this is the first game that like followed the paradigm of some other template uh, of some other game so you gotta, you I mean, gotta cut her kid... a little slack she did in, invent the format right? yeah <laughs> i mean, yeah, I mean she, I'm not, <laughs> and i'm not saying that it's a bad thing that it follows no. this format but i mean it does follow that format it's like there's a puzzle room you know you solve it john delancey talks to you you go to another room you solve the puzzle john delancey talks to you again and you keep doing that you don't um, get a feeling and, of deja vu too much n- not so far. I think I'm about halfway through at this point, and nothing has gotten stale yet. There's there's four types of dimensions uh, that you can that you can get, and I have two of them so far, and uh, it, it hasn't gotten stale yet. It might do that later in the game. I'm honestly not sure. Um, what what was your second question, Brad? I forgot already. Um, people saying that it looks like it's kind of like a kid friendly or family friendly game, except for the game is way too hard for for kids or families to play. Do you, do you notice that or? Um, it's definitely. It, I think it's definitely geared to be kid friendly. Uh, just the the art style of it and the way things are are laid out. I think that's totally true. I haven't found it particularly challenging yet. Um, I mean, there have been a couple of puzzles where I've had to think about it a little bit, but I mean, nothing that I really found frustrating. Like I felt satisfied every single t- every single time I've solved a puzzle so far. Um, for a kid. I honestly don't know because, as we've discussed many times, I don't have kids and I don't want them anywhere near my games of, <laughs> in in any way, shape, or form. Amen. But, but um, I, I wouldn't think that this would be too frustrating for for a small child. But I mean, then again, I I don't know. Gotcha. So, what is that one called? Quantum Conundrum. Quantum Conundrum, and that is out now. I it is out now. Be. It is on Steam. I believe it's only on PC. All right, that is Quantum Conundrum on Steam. We are going. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry, Richard, Chico. Uh, if, 
if Richard had emotions, he might be able to figure out if it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Syntax <laughs> error two two four seven. Richard thinks it's not too hard for children, but he also thinks college calculus is not too hard for children. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nashville is breathing. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, listener questions. Stay with us. We are back. We put out a call for listener questions, and you guys answered on Twitter, on email, on comments. So we're going to jump right into it, you guys. We have a lot of them. I would like to address a comment made on Twitter by one at Jay Kevern, if that is your real name. Um, oh, God, finally catching up with at Game Critics Podcast and just heard Dylan's quote, rap, end quote, my ears, oh, God, my ears. I'm going to assume your ears hurt because you were having a joygasm over the amazingness that is my rapping abilities. And I also assume you put the word rap in quotes because it's so good it transcends all genres. But, Mr. At J. Kevin, if that is your real name, I challenge you to a rap battle anytime, anywhere, with the restriction that I must have my own personal security team with me at all times, and the subject of the rap must be how good my rapping abilities are. So I just want to throw that out there. You can answer if you want, sir. You can answer if you want. Um. <laughs> this is our first, the Game Critic Cypher. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo Legends. It's like eight miles climax about to happen up in here. It's me up the battle. <laughs> Nintendo Legend. Uh, he had a couple questions. One: Have you ever peed your pants while gaming? And I interpret that. I want to do like maybe what's the one of the funniest games you've ever played? And for me, Comic Jumper. In, in spite of the problems it had gameplay wise, I thought it had a lot of good humor in it. That's why I kept playing it. What about you guys? Anybody have any? Oh, so he meant pee yourself he laughing. He probably didn't, I was gonna, but I'm... I was, I was going to tell a poop sock story about this time I had a marathon Final Fantasy Eleven session, but I guess that's inappropriate now. <laughs> oh, man. You got the sock in the Mountain Dew bottle and you're all set. Yeah, you're all set, baby. I interpreted it as literally peeing. Well, if you want to tell a story about peeing yourself, that's fine. I, I chose to not do that. But I'm all for it if you want to. <laughs> Uh, no, no, never, never urinated myself I, either from laughter or from not getting up to go to the bathroom. But although I will uh, say it is a challenge to get my son to stop wetting himself while he's playing a video game at the, really? at the age of six and seven, like wow. he'll just start playing and then like next thing you know, like he just totally forgets. And apparently this is not just him because like his his friends do it too. So yeah, this it's, is, just, it's just that age, I think. Great, you take you can go to the bathroom. You don't even have to stop playing. You can pee. <laughs> 
keep playing, basically. It's <laughs> genius. Somebody's <laughs> going to in invent some sort of apparatus that I'm sure that allows you to do that. Like, well, there, there's pull-ups, but that's not something we encourage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually punishing him if, he, if I catch him, and he's got to stop playing And if I do catch Does him. Any... You should reward him, dude. That's like a symbol of how hardcore he is, man. He's like, I'm so hardcore, I'm going to piss myself <laughs> while I play this game because that's how hardcore I am. I'd be proud. Uh, well, so... so his question is like, I guess is basically what's the, uh, what's the I don't funniest think game? That was what he meant, but that's how I'm spinning it. Because we never talk uh, about that. I'm curious. Yeah. Wait, the funniest Pro- game. Probably the funniest game I've ever played were the uh, the Homestar Runner games oh, that yeah. Telltale made a made a few yeah. years ago. It was actually, I think, one of the first games I reviewed for for the site. It was the the title, the full title of it was Strong Bad's Cool Game for Attractive People. And I mean, if you're a fan of of Homestar Runner, which is like this, it's this website they put out a, like a whole bunch of flash cartoons a long time ago. I don't think they've done it in in a few years, but I mean the site is still up, so I mean you can you can look up Homestar Runner and go watch it and laugh like like I did when I was younger. But I mean for a fan of those those cartoons, those games were just were hilarious. I remember that was a good game. Um, mm. I, I I still always laugh at fucking. Commander Captain Quark and Ratchet and Clank all the time. That guy cracks mm-hmm. me up. Good, another good one. Brad or Chi, you guys have anything you want to name drop? Chi, you want to? You got something? Mm, I don't got anything. Okay. Uh, for me, I, I would say some of the best laughs I had was with um, Snatcher, uh, one of Hideo Kojima's early games, and also uh, the Phoenix Wright games have a lot of really good laughs in them too. Those are those are some funny lines in there too. So. Well, he also asked. Didn't actually pee. Didn't. didn't that pee. makes me sad. <laughs> Did not actually. <laughs> He also has favorite Pokemon. I'm going to just throw out Squirtle because it sounds like a depraved sex act. <laughs> Damn. Anybody, anybody uh, have a favorite Pokemon? Uh, I like Poliwhirl just because of the way he looked, but he was a wuss in battle. I just I just <laughs> liked his design. <laughs> uh, you know, I should, I should, I'm should i embarrassed that I don't actually have a good answer for this one. And, uh, yeah, because you're, you're the, the reason one of us I kept this question. Yeah, yeah, sir. You're the, you're the, <laughs> You know, I, I just gravitate toward the the badass looking ones, but I will say I am po- playing the recent Pokemon Conquest right now, and I'm and I'm really happy that uh, Eevee got sort of gets the starring role over Pikachu in this one. So I just want to give a shout out to Eevee. All right, um, <laughs> good enough. Richard, did you have one? Um, I'm gonna go with Snorlax, uh, just because uh, in Smash Brothers, if you use the Pokeball and he pops out, he's like the best Pokemon you can possibly get. Cause he just like, he flies up and then just like flies down and just smashes the crap out of everyone. It's great. All right. Um, one more question from Nintendo legend and anybody, I'll just throw this out there to anybody that wants to take it. What good can video games provide society? Oh, a, anybody? Actually, you know, I just read something where they're they, they're using games for what is it brain injury people with brain injuries and, and stroke recovery and stuff like that to help people get their motor skills back and, and things like that. I think that's something good that games can contribute to society if if we're saying that just being entertaining and fun is not enough. I think that's yeah, I was enough. Say it's, a, it's a great escape, man. I mean, it's like it's like any kind of entertainment. I mean, you know, watching a good show, reading a good book, playing a good game, it gets you, you know, it takes you to a place you wouldn't ordinarily get to go. You get to do things you wouldn't ordinarily get to do. It can be great bonding moments, like I just said about Skyrim with me and my son. It's a great bonding between us. We can, you know, it teaches uh, manual dexterity. I've heard many reports recently about surgeons improving actual surgery by practicing 
with games. I mean, I think uh, that's, they can. Yeah, that's all, that's old news, bro, bro. They've been saying that. Oh, okay. Okay. So I just heard some really old news about Surgeon. <laughs> and uh, you know, there's there's tons of good things. I think it's just like any other good medium does lots of good. Yeah, games my son... are. Sorry, Games go are good for society when it lets me roleplay Breaking Bad in Skyrim <laughs> and ignore all of it and ignore story, ignore character, ignore any of the shit that everyone hates and just do that. Because then I'm not doing that in the real world, which is great for that everyone. That is great for everyone. She, did you have something you wanted to add to that? Yeah, my son's been playing uh, Super, uh, Mario Tennis Open on, on his new 3DS. And um, after struggling a, a while, uh, like I think fighting, you know, playing Bowser, he finally beat him. And he goes, Daddy, Daddy, I finally beat him, you know, because I practiced really hard. And I was like, yes, <laughs> because that's what I'm always telling him, because he's always getting frustrated. And I'm telling him, you know, if you want to get better at something, you just got to practice. You know, that's just the way it is. And he totally gets that. So thank you, video games. That's awesome. Um, Bondage12 on the forums and comment boards asks, outside of Persona 3 and 4 and Final Fantasy X, what are some other JRPGs on the PS2 that are great and worth playing in your opinion? I think I'll throw that one to Mike first. Oh my god, there's so many. That system was loaded with great JRPGs. Uh, if you like Persona 3 and 4, you should definitely track down and play uh, Digital Devil Saga 1 and 2. Those were good. Uh, same universe type deal. Uh, there was The first Xenogears was good. The second one, not so much. The third one was pretty good. Uh yeah, there are just tons. I'm like literally blanking. There are so many. The the Final Fantasy. I liked Final Fantasy 12 probably better than 10. Uh, you could have played Final Fantasy 11 on there uh, if you had a fat PS2 and got grabbed a hard drive. Uh, Kingsfield you mentioned earlier. Kingsfield was earlier. Yeah. So, I, so Eternal Eternal Ring. Uh, Eternal Ring was not not really good. You didn't like uh, that. I, I didn't like I didn't like Eternal <laughs> Ring. No. no. <laughs> I didn't like Summoner a whole lot either, but yeah. What about what about Shadow Hearts? Is that on PS2? Shadow Hearts, yeah, yeah. That's that number whole series one. Is number great. one. One is great. I, that's the only game I've ever played where you fight like giant penis monsters, basically. <laughs> <laughs> there are these there are these random encounter mobs that look like giant penises, which is pretty. Was funny. the Suikoden series PS1 or PS2? Uh, the, it PS1. was both. I really like that one a lot. The good ones are just PS1, though, aren't they? One and two. Well, n- no, one and two are PS1, but three and five are actually pretty good. Four is is lousy, I think, but uh, three and five are not bad. We're we're well regarded in their day. Uh, yeah, they're they're just they're literally tons. It's really hard to go wrong with a with a turn based RPG from the from that system because there were that was like the second golden age after the Super Nintendo. There are just tons of great, great Square and Atlas and all those publishers put out just loads of games. And so. Anybody else have one they want to throw out real quick? You're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> okay, well... I didn't realize we were getting that question or I would have been more prepared. Sorry. I'm sorry. I compiled as many as I could find. Um, and we're just rapid-firing them. Michael Cunningham and Pedro both ask... They sort of link into each other, so I'm going to read them both. Michael uh, asks, do you feel that mid-tier games are going away? If so, what do you think can be done to save them? And then Pedro asks, would you be happy surviving on a diet of indies and mid-range games? (laughs) Is there such a thing as a good mid-range game anymore? This is hilarious to me because this is gaming right now. You've got one faction of people that say, (laughs) oh, the mid-tier is fucked. There are no mid-tier games anymore. Everything is triple-A. 
And then you've got another group saying, oh, AAA is too expensive. AAA is going to die and go away, and all we're going to have is mid-tier games. It's like, so if you put them both together, what are we going to have? iPhone games and indie games is basically <laughs> it, because there's not going to be any mid-tier according to one group, and there's not going to be any AAA according to the other. So I don't know what we're going to have. I don't think that a mid-tier can survive if the $60 price point, or if like if it ever goes up, if like the one price for every game thing, if that stays around, then yeah, mid-tier games are fucked because there has to be, there has to be a more tiered structure because like those mid-tier games can't be coming out at 60 bucks and surviving because I mean we saw this with Enslaved, we saw this with Rayman Origins, you know they're both you know pretty good games, but then you know, not for 60 bucks. I mean they're not worth that. So I mean if those games come out at like 30 or 40 then, yeah, I think mid-tier is going to survive. But whether or not that's actually going to happen, I, I don't know. But there's plenty of, like, quote-unquote AAA games that come out at 60 that also yeah. aren't worth that. I was going to say, that's oh, funny, because yeah. I, I would have rather paid $60 for Enslaved or Rayman Origins than Call of Duty or Battlefield or but, Skyrim. Or... You're, in the, you're in the minority there, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> but in a vacuum, for better games. Would you, right. would you really say that you know Rayman Origins is worth 60 bucks? I don't know. I, 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 mean, I wouldn't have been upset if I paid $60 for it. I had fun with it. I got a lot of play out of it. Uh, you know, it was a it was a good platformer. I, I don't want to pay $60 for any game. Let's put it that way. I so. can think of two but, games that are worth $60 that I've ever been happy with, and that's uh, Fallout 3 and Dragon Age Origins. Anything else is just not worth 60 bucks to me. Mm-hmm. If, any, if anything, I think mid-tier games are going to be okay because what's really at stake here are the AAA games. I mean, we can't, they can't keep going down that path. So there's still going to be a few AAA games there every year, I think, but a lot of these companies need to dial back their, their, you know, their budget. So once they dial it back, we're going to have more mid tier games. So it seems like right now there's a drought of mid tier games or a lot of mid tier games are failing, but once AAA games start scaling back, I think we'll go back. We'll see more mid tier games. Brad, you have an opinion? Um, yeah, this, I mean, you guys have covered all the good points. I've been talking about this for years. I've felt this way for years and years and years. And it seems like finally people are kind of coming around. Uh, not to say I told you so, because I know you guys have been on board since the start. But yeah, it's it's nice to see that people outside of our little group are finally, you know, realizing that this is just a really bad path to get down. And um, I've written a few pieces recently about this. And yeah, I mean, whatever. I think that indie games are great. I think that mid-list games are great. I definitely don't think that a, a AAA-only environment is sustainable for anyone. It's not a path that we should go down. Uh, we shouldn't even think about going down. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would be happy with, uh, you know, one or two AAAs, a lot of mid-list, and a lot of small stuff. Uh, we Richard's tiered comment, totally on the mark. I mean, yeah, everything I said, I agree with, yes. All right, well, um, Xantiriad has a question. It's, it's a fairly large question. I'm going to read it. Uh, we have large development studios closing almost every week, and the top of... A freemium and free-to-play future for mainstream games. Are we the enthusiast gamers who've been spoilt by the fixed-priced, high-game, high-quality games about to get a nasty surprise? Will we have to pay more or less? Are we looking at a future of games designed to be consumed in bite-sized, paid chunks? Can we expect to see more coin-sucking, arcade-style titles with the, which fit the freemium, free-to-play model, like we see in smartphones? And then, or will we have to sign up to HBO slash Netflix-style subscription packages? in order to play the quality narrative games. Your humble British listener, Gary Zantriad Blower. Anybody want to comment on that? That is a question and a half. That is, <laughs> that's a, that's <laughs> a huge, it was actually three questions question. that I kind of matched up, but yeah. I mean, I, I guess first thing I'll say is we're already in the free-to-play 
world already. That's not co- that's not to be coming. You know, what I mean? that's here right now. You know, so we're already in that world. Um, when Final Fantasy VII comes out with microtransactions, we we have crossed into them. <laughs> and cloud saves. Don't yes. forget that cloud right. saves. I mean, we we actually haven't seen the subscription-based model in full effect yet, so I'm actually kind of curious, very curious about that. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead, Brad. Yeah. Oh, nothing. I was going to say, I mean, I think that's kind of that, that that's a direct continuation of the question we just had mm-hmm. where people are finding out that you can't do AAA all the time. I mean, you know, you can't do a business expecting to make a million seller every time or a five million seller, as the case may be. I mean, and so this is this is what it's morphed into rather than having the traditional mid list of stuff getting released for 20 or 30 or 40 bucks like it was uh, in previous generations. I mean, now we're seeing download or we're seeing, you know, episodic, or we're seeing, uh, you know, DLC more and more and more. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 the reality of how games are going to be because I think people are just kind of wising up to the fact that, you know, paying 60 bucks for everything doesn't fly. But at the same time, I think a lot of publishers are really hesitant to let go of that. I mean, they've, they've become rich off it for so many years, and they're desperately trying to claw and, and you know, use every handhold they can to keep this old system in place, but it's kind of falling apart. Thanks to um, you know games going electronic only and having these alternate uh, release paths, whether it's directly from the publisher. I mean, just last night I bought a game called Home, which is a, a PC horror game, and bought it for two bucks. For two bucks, I will buy a PC game, mm-hmm. and I bought it directly from the person who made it, and I completely cut out the publisher and the middleman and everything. So when stuff like this starts happening, you know the AAA guys are getting scared. Uh, you know, it's. Of course, now you know. Now they're talking about subscription base, and now I mean anything they can do to kind of maintain a, a death grip on the industry. Well, um, and they and they're they're going to love that too because subscription based is is another way they retain complete ownership and control over the exact, product. Exactly. So that yeah, that that all that stuff ties together, and it's all scary and terrifying to any of us who value the idea of paying $60 for something and actually owning it. Right. He said he, exactly. he also says the industry is starting to resemble the U.S. Atari 8-bit crash in the early 80s. Do you think they'll be burying Wii U's in the desert anytime soon? <laughs> no. I, I, yeah, I really it's don't. Not, no, it's not quite that. It, yeah. it's, 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 it's a different industry. I, I see a lot of people make you know comparisons and parallels to that but gaming is so it's so much bigger now than it was when that happened and and granted we see some really dumb irresponsible financial shenanigans from these companies every week but it, to to crash an industry that's this big at this point i i, I don't know how you'd actually do it but I, I, and they're trying in a way but i i, I think it's almost not too big to fail like a bank that we have to keep open, but it's so big and multifaceted still. There are so many different companies and players and everything that I, I can't see the whole thing crashing. I, I think we'll see some shrinkage as the economy has not been good, but not like the the 8-bit, the, the Atari crash or any of yeah, that. I totally agree. I mean, that was, that was a totally different time. Games were in a totally different space. I mean, they were perceived as more toys and as more of an, you know, they weren't like as mainstream and in everybody's blood the way that they are now. I mean, now you can't, you can't go to a mall and, and, and throw a shoe without hitting somebody who's a gamer. I mean, everybody's a gamer. Everybody plays games. I mean, even mainstream commercial, I just saw a commercial last night for some sports shoe and the entire thing was laid out like a, like a, a collage of different video game scenes. And I mean, it's just, it's, it's cultural. It's like, it's a new thing that's in our society. I mean, that stuff's not going away. I do agree it's going to change. It's going to shift. It's going to get smaller. It's going to find its natural space within, you know, larger culture, just like TV and movies and books have. 
Uh, but yeah, they're not going away. They're never going away. Yeah, and I, I actually tell you what the biggest reason why there won't be another 2600 like crash in two words: user reviews. <laughs> I mean, that's the that's the main reason why um, the, the 2600 crash is that people couldn't tell the, the crap from the good yeah. stuff. And to, in this day and age, because if you look at like Apple App Store, Android App Stores, there's a lot of shit out there. But because there's user reviews, and you know the the, the cream will come to the will rise to the top, will rise to the top. So we won't have that problem of not being able to find you know what's the good stuff out there. Um, let's do a couple more, and then we will move on. But um, Moose Effect, I'd love to have the opinion on the cast on what's left of survival horror, especially in Resident Evil 6's demos. Wake. Um, you want to go to you first, Mike? You're the horror geek. Uh, I, you know, I haven't played the demo of Resident Evil 6, so I, I can't really talk about that, except all I can say is from the trailer I saw and, and what I've read from people who have played it, it confirms kind of what we suspected, that, that this is another horror franchise that's moved away from being horror into a more mainstream action shooter situation, uh, which is disappointing, but at the same time, you know, that seems to be the natural gravitation of the industry unfortunately yeah anybody else want to comment on it yeah i, I did a write-up on the resident evil 6 uh demo which was awful it was really awful <laughs> um I'm, i was actually pretty shocked at the kind of thinking that was on display there it's clear that that series is moving towards a more action-oriented kind of experience and it just was it was seven kinds of badness so i don't like that but i do think that there's plenty of room for uh the genre itself to grow. I mean, apart from Resident Evil, like I said, I mean, the game I just downloaded last night, Home, I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but the reviews from people I talked to were phenomenal. And it was just, it's like a small, it looks like an 8-bit game or maybe a 16-bit game. And it's, you know, it shows that you don't need to have the AAA budget and, you know, QTEs and all kinds of cutscenes. I mean, you can just have a really simple, really basic experience, but as long as the mood and the tone is there... That's really what creeps people out. You know, the same thing with uh, Richard. What's that game that you liked uh, last year? Amnesia. Amnesia. Yeah, Amnesia. I, I mean, up, again, yeah. yeah, another smaller game. I mean, there's. I'm seeing more and more games where you definitely don't need the budget. And in fact, I almost wonder if the budget is a hindrance. It is. That, that, that's yeah. actually. That's actually what I was going to say. Is that I would almost say that the that having a larger budget is kind of a hindrance to it being scarier. Because Amnesia was made by five people, and it's like they had to use like all these psychological tricks and like sounds and just like weird shit to fuck with your mind to just to make it scary. Like they couldn't use special effects or like or monsters to make it scary, even though the monsters are kind of scary. Yeah, go ahead, Chi. No, I was just I was just gonna add that. Uh, we're seeing now just just plain old survival games, no survival horror, right? Because now we have Tomb Raider, and then like I Am Alive, mm-hmm. so maybe they'll they'll throw the horror back in there once the survival uh, genre, you know, becomes more in vogue. <laughs> well, that's the thing, you know, horror is one of those things that can turn up anywhere. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to have a story dedicated to being horror. You can fit horror into something like The Last of Us or I Am Alive or you know, those kind of games. So you're still going to have some of those elements. You may, you may not have the creepy monsters and Victorian castles and shit, but there, there still is room for some, you know, horrifying things, even in these games that aren't strictly horror games. I want to close with this question and uh, anybody we missed, we'll probably read some more on a future episode, but this is another one from Pedro. You're cast away on a desert Island. You're allowed to take one game with you. What would it be? Despite 
This island miraculously having a console or PC and power supply, you have no internet connection. The tough one. Oh, I, I, don't make me go first. On this I, I, one. I, yeah, I would throw out there, and you might laugh at me, but I think it would be The Sims or Animal Crossing or something that just goes on indefinitely because I don't think I could replay the same game over and over otherwise. Maybe Fallout 3. Does anybody else have one they want to throw out? Maybe, maybe one of the civilizations. Oh, that's a good one. Because, like, I mean, I, I haven't played a ton of either of the civilization games. I've only played a little bit of four. Um, but I mean that that seems like the kind of game that every time you play it, it's a little bit different. So I mean that's that I mean that would be my choice. Okay, Civ Four. That's a hard question. That's too. that's that's okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I would say I would say nothing for me because I don't I rarely replay any game. I mean. And if I was on a desert island, I'd be like, fuck, I'm going to catch some crabs or I'm going to like start a coconut farm or something <laughs> to keep myself alive rather than play, you know, Street Fighter over and over or something Richard, like that. is that you? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's using their logic. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, my logic would be dictating. It's like, well, fuck, I'm never going to get off this island. Might as well play Civilization until yeah. like, I die. Well, what's the most grind heavy game on Earth? <laughs> Dude, you know what? I'd, I'd play something like Diablo. Yeah, I was going to say Diablo 2. Yeah, where there's just tons of loot, or, or even Fantasy Star Online. You, you can play that. You can just run well, through no, those no, zones. There's no online. internet. But you, but no you can play it offline. Oh, okay. So you can play solo, and you can run through all those zones and get all the rare loot. I mean, some of those loot drops are ridiculously small chances. So. Yeah, I used to play yeah. the hell out of Fantasy Star Online. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody else? All right. I believe there's one final question. Nobody knows what it is other than Richard. So, Richard, I'm throwing it over to you. Thanks, Dylan. Um, Tim Spath, our, our former host, actually responded when uh, when we asked for a question. And he sent me the following. Now, I, I know what you're all thinking. And no, I am not going to try and mimic his voice. I, I can't do that. There's just there's just no way I can sound that sexy. It's just not going to happen. Can you do it in a Mr. Sulu voice? Uh, no, I cannot. But anyway, uh, it'll sound. You got to do someone from Star Trek in honor of Tim. It's got to be somebody. Well, I can do Spock, and I sound like that anyway. So there you go. Carry on. Carry on. Okay. So here goes. Last weekend, I was making love in a helicopter, and it got me thinking: Will we ever see a mainstream AAA title that simulates sexual intercourse between two humans? Most games, from Golgo 13 to Mass Effect, cut away just as the real sexy time action is getting started. Grand Theft Auto's hot coffee mod comes to mind, but that required a filthy hack to enjoy. Sex is so much more an integral part of our lives than shooting dwarves, yet looking at my game shelf, the dwarf shooting games vastly outnumber the sex games. In fact, the only sex game I see is Toy Story 3. What do you guys think of your long-lost pal, Tim Spade? Dear God, I missed him. <laughs> Does anybody want to take that? You're you're going to see that eventually, I think. Uh, it's only a matter of time as the medium continues to grow and evolve and tries to tell more mature stories. It it is interesting he asks that though because today's announcement that uh Activision was going to make a Walking Dead first person shooter with Daryl and Merle as the main characters, Merle being the uh unrepentantly racist character played by uh Michael Rooker in the in the first season, actually had some people like talking almost like they were upset that this how dare a game have a character main character who was 
who was a racist and that that ties into kind of what we talked about last show about art and if games are art then you know you can't always just have the archetypal good guy or the anti-hero you're going to have characters stories with characters who are not necessarily people you like or identify with or want to be but they still have stories and they're still worth telling those stories so i think when I see things like that, I think we're farther away from ever getting to the full-on bump and grind that Tim's so desperate to see in pixelated form. But, but I think I think eventually we'll get there. I think I think that's going to happen. I I think it is only a matter of time before the porn industry finds a way to market itself through games. Well, the, yeah, I mean, I mean they that's going to happen. Yeah, they they already do that. So I mean, yeah. I mean, you, no, I mean you, like making an actual porn game however that would actually work well i'm pretty sure they have stuff like that already the ao stuff that's out there is is basically porn stuff so we haven't even talked about the stuff in japan in japan yeah yeah. (laughs) the 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 massage simulators well we see that in mainstream and i feel like we will i feel like the first couple times it happens there's going to be a big to do but then in like 20 years or so it's going to be like normal yeah, I was going to say, I agree it'll be there, but like it's going to be a while. It's going to be a while yet. And it's funny because this actually reminds me of a conversation I had with a guy uh, a couple weeks ago. And he was saying that uh, he was letting his kids read some comics. I, I read a lot of comics. We didn't talk about them on the show, but I read a lot of comics. And he was letting his, his kid read some stuff, which I thought was way too bloody and brutal. And I was a little shocked. And I you know, I kind of mentioned that to him. And he played it off like it was no big deal. Like He's like, oh, yeah, we just laugh about it. Ha, ha, ha. But then he's like, yeah, any any comic where they're kissing, I don't let him read that. And I'm like, so you let him read about beheadings and disembowelings <laughs> and monsters, you know, shitting down these bloody neck stumps. But you don't let him read anything that has even a shred of sexual content. He's like, yeah, yeah that's we don't talk about that stuff. That's that's no good. So that right there is kind of America in a nutshell. America in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, so I, I, <laughs> we're going to get there, but it's, it's going to be a while yet. I, I, decades, it, maybe. It, it's kind of like how how it was with Arkham City, where it got a T for teen rating, but, I mean, like, fucking everything Catwoman does is sexualized in some way, but they don't show any breasts. They say bitch all the time, but, you know, they never say the F word, and then they impale a dude, like, on his sword, like, all the way through, but somehow that gets a T for teen rating. But then, you know, Mass Effect gets an M rating for having, like, you know, 10 seconds of bare well, ass. The morals of the so, game industry are fucked completely. Like, and, go ahead, Mike. And, and, we're, and we're really pretty much there. I, I mean, if you look... One of the, what was it, the GTA 4 add-on Ballad of Gay Tony, I think it was, that had, you know, full frontal male nudity in it. Uh, Witcher 2 has full frontal female nudity in it mm-hmm. and sex. So Actually, I, Witcher, I, Witcher 1 has, like, yeah, 20 yeah. instances of, like, full yeah. frontal female nudity. So, so, I mean, everything is there. I, I don't know that we're going to see, like, you know ever see full-on mainstream game penetration or money shots or, or right, any right. of that kind of stuff. But, but I mean, we're, we're pretty much there. Uh, you know, it, it, what's funny is, is that the games handle it so poorly, I guess that we're so uncomfortable with the sex aspect of it, but shooting guys in the face, that's, that's cool. We can do that all day and show it at E3 and it's great. I think so. that, oh, go ahead, Chief. No, let me, I wanted to ask you guys a question in that, it's not you no. Know, Tim's not talking about the presence of sex, as he's noted. You know, it's in Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. It's in even as early as you know, Goggle Thirteen games. The question is, you know, do we need to be in control? <laughs> you know, do we need to a control mechanism or some kind of gameplay design around? 
the actual act. Well, so you I'm, know what it would be, right? It would, it would of course have to be a QTE, right? Yeah, well, yeah, didn't, it, yeah. didn't that happen in Heavy well, Rain? Well, there actually was the There actually was a uh, a, Q, a bonus QTE in God of War. I think it was the second God of War. Right. You don't actually see it, but the QTE is Kratos having sex with Aphrodite, and like you don't see it, but you hear what they're doing. So I mean, yeah, that that has been to done. To me, before. that's just or oh, go ahead. Maybe Tim means, are we going to see like real adults making love, not having sex? Maybe that's what he means. Because <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a QTE where know, you put on the very white music. And... Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> real emotional love making, not, like not very your... white. There's a, there's a dialogue tree like selecting what music you want to put on. There it's you. like very white, Luther Vandross. Price is Right theme song. Here's, Which I mean, one do you choose? Regardless of whether we're talking about sex or making making love, quote unquote. But there's still, <laughs> I, I ask, I still pose the question: Do you feel like that's something you actually want to control? Not uh, from an actual, like from a thrust standpoint. <laughs> like, well, that's what he's talking. That's that was my interpretation of the question. Uh-huh, Not, okay. You get a motion you know, control sensor and put it around your waist. Yeah, that's that's a connect game. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, there's, 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 there's a killer app right there. There's a killer app right there. That, that will sell connect. I see what you're saying. I think that like in certain games, like open world games, I was saying this in the open world episode. I like to control every little thing, and if if the sex is a huge plot point, I would like to control it. Yeah. <laughs> wondered if wonder if you I'm could. I'm just be trying to imagine this, man. I mean, it would be like totally like a rhythm based game. Like you're trying to press the, the circle <laughs> yeah. at the right. You know, dots. <laughs> you do it enough what times, is, boom, orgasm, what, win. What needs? <laughs> I wonder if you could like level up your certain skills and, at the. Like, yeah. <laughs> in order to make this a mainstream a thing, skill tree. what oh what needs to happen in order to make this mainstream is some indie developer needs to make a game called Tim Space makes love in a helicopter with his wife and his wife's clone, and that game will sell hey, millions. Hey, and it will bring sex into the mainstream or love making. The mainstream. Yep. <laughs> Brad, did you have something you wanted to? Th- you said you. Yeah, it was kind of. You, you guys kind of made me think of it as we were discussing like the the morals and the attitude of the game industry and and related to society at large. Um, a little bit of a of a, a tangent here, but just recently I found out that um, the new Aliens Colonial Marine game coming out from uh, Gearbox, I believe, uh, is is not featuring any female characters in the multiplayer at all. And to me, that really blew me away because, you know, anybody who's seen the Alien movies, I mean, it's a real female-heavy series. I mean, the, of course, Sigourney Weaver, one of the strongest female leads in science fiction of all time. Alien Queen is a female. There's tons of uh, female Velas- soldiers. Velasquez, that, yeah. Yeah, Velasquez. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like – and the developers have said over and over that they want to pay respect to the film series. They're huge fans. They want to do kind of an homage. Okay, impossible without paying respect to females. And as we were talking about, you know, the industry likes violence but not sex. I mean, is that something that kind of parlays over into the whole we have no chicks in our game because this is like a guy game? It just kind of struck me as really weird that these guys would like want to put out an alien game yet leave women completely out of it. It just seems like a major disconnect. I mean, did you guys hear about yeah. that at all? Yeah, and I, I felt this, when I read it, I thought the same thing. Alien is known because it's ripley you know she's the she's the main character and it's the big deal because it's a strong woman fighting these alien monsters in the movie so i i don't know what they were thinking with that i i don't know who thought that was a good idea that we wouldn't include any females in it normally i'm in favor you know it's your vision you're making your story if you're doing the thing and there are no women in it that's your choice but when you're doing something like alien where it has this 
well-defined history of having strong female characters in it and then you make a game and don't put a female character in it 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 makes me think like wow some of these things people complain about in regards to gender issues in games there are there is some basis to it so yeah no i I just you know there's a a new book out about facebook and that's very much a boys club that whole company you know i mean Mm -hmm. like there's just like one woman on the on the board of directors and you know the you know I'm, and I'm not sure if it's 100 percent the story the, the the person who wrote the book is you know she used to work for the uh, for facebook but I, I you know i have no doubt that that's still out there and it's probably very prevalent in the video game industry i mean it's just a lot of arrested development a lot of boys club mentality out there you know i don't i i mean but do, do we think I mean, do you think that was something that happens as an oversight? Do you think it's intentional? I mean, I, I, I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt that, you know, that maybe it just worked out that way and nobody nobody realized. You, you wonder if it's something... But doesn't that make it worse, though? Well, yeah, well, I'm it does. Exactly. Yeah. What I'm wondering is if it's something like with uh, Brink a few years ago, which I mean, it's mm-hmm. this, I mean, it's a totally multiplayer game. They had no, uh, none, none of the char- none of the playable characters were women, and the reasoning for that is like, well, it would have taken more more assets right. and more work to like make but, make women models as a, like instead of just guy models. Really? And so I'm wondering, and I'm, that that's absolutely not an excuse, but I'm wondering if that's the excuse they're going to try and use. When here. you acquire a franchise like Alien, I think you owe it to the <laughs> fans to pay reverence to this series. And I don't think they're doing that at all. Yeah, yeah. It was it was pretty it was pretty shocking when when it came out. So did did they give an official answer as to why? Uh, you I, know, I was I was I was trying to find out. I don't think that they've given a, a straight up reason why. It, they kind of just made the announcement. There's a petition I think online about trying to get some females in the game. There's been a lot of talk about it. I think Destructoid covered it. I think I'll probably mention it in my blog. I mean, the people are noticing it, and I think pretty much uh, everybody's upset about it to one degree or another but i mean gearbox is a lar- you know a larger studio i don't know anything about their financials but this is like a big triple a game this right. is supposed to be mm-hmm. a really big hit and i don't see that they could possibly pull out the whole we're struggling developers we can't afford a different you know a female animation skeleton i mean i call bullshit on that if they say it but i mean from from any aspect i mean did they forget Maybe they did. If they did, that's awful. Because how can you forget half of humanity? Is it? An, is it? Did they decide not to include women? Well, that's bad too. Because how yeah. can you not include yeah. the gender that that supports the whole series? I mean, there's to me, there's like there's no way they can explain this in a yeah. good way except for that yeah. they're assholes. <laughs> and I don't I don't know that they are, but that's that's really how it looks to me right now. I, I, mean, I have I really one like other I, I have one other cynical theory is that they're doing this for the press, and you know they're gonna come back around later and say, oh, we were listening to the fans. We heard you. We're going to put the women in there. But But meanwhile, we're talking about that. That's a really convoluted way to get press. Like, I don't I mean, if that's a way to get press, it's not a good idea. I wouldn't say it's convoluted. I mean, it's happening a lot these days. But yeah, yeah. I I just I think it's like a I I don't have a problem believing that you say, okay, no press is bad press. Any press is good press. I just man, that that your reputation even if you come along later and say, oh, okay, we listen to the fans and we're putting girls in there now, you still look like clueless idiots for not having them in the first place. There's there's no way you explain not having them in there that makes sense or that, you know, that people go, oh, okay, I understand why they thought that way. So it's a really dangerous plan if that's what they're doing. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Gearbox the ones that revived Duke Nukem Forever? I mean, they were, weren't they? Uh, I'm pretty I, sure they were. Yeah, yes, they, they were. And, you they know, were, that game wasn't was... exactly known for being female-friendly. I mean, I heard there were some pretty atrocious portrayals of women. Uh, yeah. 
But I mean, so, that's what you expect from Duke Nukem in general. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just find it interesting that you know that that game's developers come along and all of a sudden there's no women in this game. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to draw you know I don't want to draw a direct line, but it kind of makes you wonder. <laughs> It'll be interesting to follow, like to see how it pans out in the coming weeks. I'm interested to follow that. Um, we are going to take a quick break, and we will be back with thumbs up, thumbs down, and our opinions of Walking Dead episode two. Stay with us. We are switching it up this week. We are doing our thumbs up, thumbs down first because Walking Dead 2, our discussion will include spoilers. So you're free to listen up until we start talking about Walking Dead 2 and then you might want to stop. I actually don't have any thumbs this week. I'm thumbless. So I'm going to go straight to you guys and let's go to Mike Bracken first. Uh, I have one thumbs up this week. I just wanted to, you know, throw some accolades to people who have been on the show before who are doing cool things in the industry. Uh, first up, Jeffrey Motliff, who's been on the show several times. He's been a guest on here. He's done our Zelda After Dark. He's a great guy to have on the show. He's always smart and brings really great things to the table when he's here. Uh, he got a job as Eurogamer's U.S. News Head, I oh, guess, wow. is the official yeah, title he's the boss, of it. He's, he's he's the boss. Yeah. uh that that's phenomenal we are incredibly proud of him and uh we hope he still comes back and talks to us even now that he's big time and we also i also wanted to say uh just a, a thumbs up to uh our other occasional guests and on kuba who hasn't managed to land the big job yet but he keeps getting really close and it's only a matter of time for him before he he gets a good gig somewhere uh he's too smart not to land somewhere for somebody to snatch him up and have him writing about games and uh just keep at it man you're doing good stuff so those are my thumbs for the week brad galloway um, my thumb this week is for um, sitting down and watching TV with your kids. Uh, you know, I got two kids. Both my sons are with me right now. And I thought that they were old enough that we could start watching some of the good stuff. Uh, so over the past couple of weeks, we watched Star Wars for the first time with oh, my wow. youngest one. I mean, I'm like, I was like so excited. Yeah. You know? I was like, oh, man, <laughs> Star Wars for the first time. He's never seen it before. It's so crazy. <laughs> You know, so we watched it. It was like a big hit. I mean, my youngest, my oldest had seen it before. My youngest had never seen it. And he took to it right away. Started talking about, you know, R2-D2 and C-3PO and lightsabers and stuff. And it just, it made me so happy. You know, we saw Big Trouble in Little China. I thought it might be a little too violent for the young one, but he totally took to it. He thought it was awesome. And he was like totally engaged the whole time. And, you know, he's the one who kind of, he'll watch Adora and he'll kind of get up in the middle and go get a drink or something and come back. You know, like he's not like glued to the set, but with these ones, he was really into it. And it was just like an awesome, awesome feeling to like share these films that were so important and entertaining and impactful to me to share those with my kids and then see them respond like the same way that I did. I mean, that was the best. That was really the best. But I do want to give a thumbs down 
to George Lucas uh, for fucking with the original Star Wars. As I was watching it, like I, like it was great that they were watching it, and I wasn't ruining it for them. But in my head, the entire time, I was like, okay, that's new. That's new. Oh god, Jabba looks terrible in the scene. Oh, uh, Han, Han shot first. Why is he not shooting first? I was gonna uh, say, did you, you know, have, did you have to explain the Han shot first? Thing? I did. Exp- I did explain the Han shot first thing, and I explained how. With Han shooting first, that makes it more of a scandal, which makes his redemption at the end much more meaningful. And we went through that whole discussion at the end of the show, at the movie. But it was like, dude, fuck you, George Lucas. Fuck you for whatever it is, whatever bullshit you're doing. You're ruining your own films, pissing off all your fans, like ruining all these memories. Like, fuck you. But, you know, the movie was still good overall, and the kids loved it. So thumbs up to that and thumbs down to George Lucas. Thumbs up to you for not showing them Transformers. Not the films, but we did we did watch the the, the series. <laughs> we don't have to talk about that now. Chi <laughs> Kong Lu, thumbs up, thumbs down, sir. Yeah, just shut up, Mike. Just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, wait, wait! I got one more thumbs down. Wait, wait, hold on. Thumbs down to Transformers for being so fucking expensive. I went to Target and they were like eighteen bucks. Oh, for the wow. deluxe size, I just my head exploded. I'm like 18 bucks. <laughs> yeah, I don't oh, know what's going on there, man. Dude, Hasbro thumbs. Okay, sorry, Chief. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that's okay. I'll wait for that one. Um, my I got two thumbs up. It's just uh, my first thumbs up goes to the uh, the 21 Jump Street remake uh, with Channing Channing Tatum and um, Jonah Hill. Did anyone see that one? I want yeah. to. I haven't seen it yet. I was waiting to hear from somebody if it was legit good or not. It was hilarious, man. One of the funniest movies. Yeah, one of the funniest movies I've seen in the last 10 years, man. And being an old fan of the uh, old show, it just made it that much better, man. But it is a really funny movie. And uh, actually, kind of a fan of Channing Channing Tatum now just from that movie alone, just because he's so – like, he's just perfect for that role. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Being sort of this, like, you know, dumb jock, but, you know, with a heart of gold type of deal, which is apparently his shtick to begin with anyway. But (laughs) – is it? But, uh, yeah. Is that movie? I I don't remember the original series very well. Is it the same characters or is it sort of a re? It, it is. It is a complete like re. <laughs> I don't even think you could call it a reboot. It's like they basically turned it into a comedy and they made it into a high school comedy. Okay. But with the with the same elements. But it, it's one of those. It's one of those movies that like. I forgot what else did this recently where they just sort of like took the original. I mean, sort of like Captain America did that. They took the original source material and just sort of remixed it in a way that just made perfect sense for the, for the you know, for today's audiences and updating the story in a way that just made, you know, a lot of sense. So it, 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 there is some uh, in-joke cameos that I'm not going to spoil for anyone who's going to go see it later, but it's there. It's huge. It's 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 really good. <laughs> um, so my other uh, thumbs up goes to uh, Best Buy for their 100% bonus trade-in credit so for the first time ever in, in my game playing career i actually felt like i got my money's worth trading in some of the games i traded in <laughs> like i've never felt like like i actually felt like i walked out like i got the better deal i got the better deal out of best buy i was like fucking shocked man well how, how does it work exactly. um basically they, they just double the money you like whatever you trade whatever the value is on the website you get twice that amount oh wow and it, but it, it is just credit but nonetheless i mean I'm, I'm walking out with like double digit best buy cards here i'm kind of already set for for um wii u now just from these trade-ins well what did you trade <laughs> give us an example like what did you trade in and how much did you get for it well, a good example of this, because, you know, I'm a little, as we all are, I'm sure, a little obsessive compulsive, and I get a little out of hand with, with some of my buys sometimes. So, you know, when I went through my whole fitness craze thing, I started buying way too many of these titles, right? So, you know, and I was, you know, I'm kind of like... Because you need more than one workout game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, like, I'm buying some of this stuff for my wife, 
you know, you know, I started trying to buy some edu- educational games for my son. So I bought a shitload of games that I thought he might like that he never even touched. You know, he couldn't care less. Or he played it once and then stopped playing it. And I'm like, oh, great. That, that was like $20 down the tube. You know what I mean? So I actually got like most of my money back from just these trades alone. So like, just I'm just trading in like the Zumba Fitness game. I got like $22 back on that. Wow. Yeah, it was like, you know, $11 trade in value. So it's at 22 bucks right there. You know, I, I traded like these Disney and Friends games. I got like four or six bucks, you know, here and there. And it just all started adding up a bit, you know, like so. Trying to nice. think of any, Yeah. And it, but it, I, oh, go ahead. Yeah, if anyone's looking to clean up their collection a little bit, although apparently, Mike, you're you're perfect. You never buy anything that you regret. So. I never, I never trade in anything. <laughs> didn't, you buy, didn't you buy Skyrim? Nope. Oh, okay. Oh. Fair enough. Um, Richard. Can't fly that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Can't fly that bitch. They should put that in their in their commercial. Richard, let's go to you. Uh, I've got two. Uh, the first is thumbs up to the Walking Dead comic. Um, I just recently caught up with uh, the last volume, which is volume 16. Um, I, I I haven't read comics like regularly since I was a little kid. Um, I, I read like the Joss Whedon X-Men uh, volumes a few years ago, and there were a couple of other things. But this is the first series that I've gotten into in a long, long time, and I really, really enjoy it. And it, 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 it I mean, we're going to talk about the game soon, but the game running in parallel with the comic is it, it just works really well. Um, also thumbs down to the walking dead comic, because as much as I like this series, it feels like it needs to start wrapping up because some of the things that there's only so many horrible things you could do to people before it starts to become not shocking anymore. And that's to kind of the point I'm at now with, with the comic is it's like, cause it's at the point that they are now, I'm just like, Oh, well, so they're going to do like this. They're going to do like the whole story arc that they've done, you know, twice already again. And so it feels like this is going to need a resolution soon or it's going to fall into the uh, it's going to fall into the trap of just like going on too long and just falling apart. I'm interested to know what your definition of not shocking is, because weren't you the one that wanted to brutally murder a woman with an axe rather than just shooting her? (laughs) No, that's my point is like there's so many. It's like because this stuff has already happened to them like so many okay, times. I got you. It's like, now I expect it. Cause like, there's actually at the end of volume 15, there's actually something that's you know, really, really big that happens. And I'm just like, Oh yeah, I guess that was going to happen eventually. That makes sense. <laughs> I, I think, I think Richard just committed a podcast foul. Tim ruled him unable to, it, it was illegal to do a side thumb so right. Richard just basically gave something a side thumb by circumnavigating, he by saying it's it. a thumb up and a thumb down. There's one hand thumbs that, up, one hand thumbs yeah. down. Yeah. Your rules don't constrain me, Bracken. <laughs> Tim Spade made love in a helicopter this week. I think he'll let it slide. He's had a good week. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. You have to get a ruling on that. Yeah. <laughs> Tim. I, was same, I was thinking the same thing, Mike. <laughs> I was actually <laughs> too, but I was like, I know somebody had a fork thumb once, so that was allowed. So, um, are we ready to talk about the Walking Dead episode two? Starved for food. All right. Well, I I loved the first episode so much, and my concern was how is it going to be as good as the first episode? In my opinion, was it was even better than the first episode? Um, Dylan, Dylan, are you going to edit in the spoiler warning? Yeah, do another big spoiler warning just because. Okay. 
There is going to be a there are going to there is going to be a lot of spoiler talk coming up. So stop listening now if you don't want to be spoiled because there will be spoilers. You think that was good enough? Hopefully they get that. <laughs> it was a little good. vague, dude. You might want to polish that up. In the- <laughs> spoilers to what? Oh, oh, you didn't say what? Spoilers to the Walking Dead episode two and maybe to the Walking Dead episode one and maybe to anything related to the Walking Dead. So if you don't want to be spoiled, stop or listening. I might just, I might just throw out random spoilers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, we might spoil Mass Effect 3 just for the fun of it. You've not are... seen the ending to The Sixth Sense yet. Stop listening Spoke now. Was a sled. Bruce Willis is dead. <laughs> um, oh, you ruined it. I haven't seen that yet. Crying game chick is really a dude. <laughs> um, are we ready to talk about Darth Vader is Luke's father? Okay. We're good now. Okay, so The Walking Dead Episode 2. Just... Bird's eye view of it. Did you guys enjoy it as much as the first one? Whoever wants to field this, Mike. Pick somebody. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, for the most part, yeah, I, I did. Uh, this is funny because I'm a horror guy. Uh, I I knew everything that was going to happen mm-hmm. in this episode because it's so traditional horror setup 101, basically. So it, whereas in the first episode, I was a little more taken by surprise by things that didn't ruin it for me or anything. I just thought that the first episode kept me a little more off balance narratively. Let me ask you this because Mm -hmm. this, this was brilliant when I thought they did. There was a point in the second episode and the spoilers about to start now you're, you're prompted to make a conversation choice. And while you're looking at that, all of a sudden a zombie attacks you and that choice really doesn't matter. Yeah, that was that that brilliant. that was a surprise. I was just talking more about the overall the story, story arc, yeah. the narrative of the game being fairly so, obvious. So, so you you saw the the whole cannibal thing coming? Oh like God, you saw yeah. that Dude, from from the yeah. minute from the minute we met them, I knew <laughs> what was going they, on. They did something <laughs> totally. similar in Fallout Three. There was a little side story of that. So I also saw that coming. Yeah, because yeah, because I because I totally didn't like I didn't Real, see it coming right? at all. Really? Yeah, I didn't see that coming. Well, I don't watch I don't watch horror stuff, yeah, so I mean I, I'm not man. trained to anticipate that. I didn't yeah. I didn't see that coming exactly as is. I I thought it might it might echo the farm the second season of the TV show where they were keeping you know they uh-huh. might be keeping the father alive. That's what I thought, but yeah, uh, it's so telegraphed because they're a dairy farm and they've got meat. <laughs> so, they have one so cow like, and they have lots yeah. of meat. Yeah, they have one cow. There is not a chicken in sight, but they've got meat. So it's like really obvious they, to me. When they yeah. said they said at one point their farm hands, people come and then they don't they leave suddenly. And I was like, hmm, yeah. something fishy. But there was something. I don't know if it's the way that the art was designed or the way that the actors were training them. But from the moment I saw them, there was something sketchy about them, and I couldn't figure out yeah. what it was. Yeah, they, they from the for, yeah from the first moment you see them outside the the. Uh, motor lodge or, or whatever it was, the hotel. Yeah, you, you know something's off, and like immediately I'm like, this isn't good. And then you get back. As soon as you get to the farm, I knew exactly where the rest of the story was going. So it was still <laughs> it was still fun. I still enjoyed it. It's just it's just one of those things where God, if you watch a lot of horror movies or whatever, it it's like you ruin everything for yourself eventually because you yeah. nothing surprises you anymore. Yeah, see, I, I guess it's good that I don't watch a lot of horror stuff because I didn't I didn't pick up on it until he opened that door in the back of the bar and there's like blood everywhere and like the, the hooks and the, the saws and stuff i'm like 
Oh, you really okay. shocked by it? Did it have a big impact with you when that happened? Since you didn't it, see it, it, did, it did actually, because yeah. I I thought that the whole thing was like the farmers were in league with the bandits or something. Mm. Like I thought that was the secret, and it's like and it's because like, I completely forgotten about Mark and like that guy that was up in the house that they were like they cut his legs off and started eating them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just like, oh okay, whatever. He's still in the house, and I'm like, you know, they opened the the barn doors. I'm like, oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I didn't even pick up on on it exactly when he opened up the barn because there was just a lot of. I mean, it was very quick. You know, there was a lot of blood everywhere. I didn't. I didn't quite like. Oh well, bl- blood equals they're eating people. I don't know. <laughs> well, the thing it's not <laughs> a lot of that could have meant a lot of things. I, I guess it's not just that there was blood. It's just like there's so many implementations in there for like cutting off limbs yeah. and like skinning. It, it wasn't things. like a slaughterhouse, like a where well, you'd slaughter animals. <laughs> yeah. And it was a quick pan too. It was like yeah. you know a second pan. It wasn't like they were like doing this slow motion pan where I was like, oh, that's what I, I literally just didn't even understand what was happening. And then they, you know, they had, you know, he has to leave, which I'm surprised the guy didn't make a bigger deal of right then and there. Be like, right. I told you not to go in the fucking thing. Now you're gonna have to fucking die, which kind of surprised me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was surprised <laughs> by that too. I thought that was gonna be the big showdown, but they played it off. And I was kind of actually with Yuchi, like even though I saw this coming a mile away like as soon as the the people show up i knew exactly what was going down but like when they opened the door to the in the back of the barn i was like that could have been a, their personal slaughterhouse like they didn't even try to like play it off or anything like it, it almost seemed weird that they would try to hide that because if their friend mark or whatever his name was was in there like that would make sense they want to hide it but it was like you're a farm i mean if i'm gonna farm i would expect a place for animals to be killed like that in and of itself didn't really to me say he, he actually human does butchery. try to play that off he actually does a little bit yeah but it he wasn't says like that ma doesn't like a, ma- a mess in the house and all that you know yeah i mean it was just yeah. like so quick and not a big deal i mean i thought it was weird that they even tried to hide it honestly but anyway the, the uh the the fact that i don't know i like the storyline even though it was kind of you could see it coming because it shows that there's worse things out there than zombies still. Like there's mm-hmm. still human evil to deal with. And I assume the show and the comics are like that. I've not seen either. Oh yeah. Yeah. The comics yeah, are time. very, very, very much like that. Like the, the human, like the humans, the bad humans they run worse. into are way worse than the zombies. I just, I love the psychological aspect of this game and the, the zombie apocalypse. Cause you don't usually see that in anything else. Mm hmm. Let me ask you. Let me ask you as a question. So when I played through this game, I mean, uh, so for those who don't know, I mean, I guess uh, if you you probably already know this, but just just throwing this out there, one of the big hooks to this series is that your choices matter. So like the choices that you make in episode one are supposed to carry over who you save, how you treat people, what you say, all that stuff is supposed to matter, and that's really what sells this game. Um, now I don't know about you guys, but when I played my playthrough. I had some I had some fuck ups. Like I was uh, a big supporter of Kenny. If you'll remember, he's the mm-hmm. guy who has the wife and the kid who's named Duck, mm-hmm. and he's like the you know the the Joe six pack family man or whatever. I basically supported him like the entire way through episode one. Like he and I were kind of like on the same page. Mm-hmm. And right. so when I started episode two, um, in the beginning it was okay when I was passing out the food because of course I gave the food to the kids because like who wouldn't do right, that? Right. But then, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when we got to hell, the f- even I gave the food to the kids. Yeah, so even even Richard gave the food. So that was that's a no-brainer. Richard, but like, well, that doesn't make any sense, man. The, the kids aren't helping you. Well, what happened there, dude? <laughs> Logic I failure. I know. Right? I don't know, man. Well, I didn't. I didn't really want to fucking give it to everyone else because everyone else is an asshole. So. I, <laughs> I don't know. Is your is your emotion chip developing? Maybe it is. Maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's mul- maybe it's uh melded into my positronic net. 
anyway, 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 Richard's technical status aside, what happened to me was like when I got when I talked to Kenny, like after I gave out the food, he was pissed at me like like we weren't friends. Like he, he yeah. said, oh, yeah, you didn't support Duck back at the pharmacy or whatever, something like that. And, oh, you know, you, you said this and this. And I'm like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, whoa, you and me are bros, dude. We're we're tight. What the hell? Right. Like I've supported you this entire time. And he like acted like I had been his adversary. Did you guys notice My that? Ken- Kenny was being really stupid throughout episode two, I noticed. Because, I, I mean, I, I did mostly the same thing. Like, I supported Kenny over, over Lily pretty much for all of episode one. But then in this one, he just... I, I don't know what his problem was, but he just started acting like a complete moron. So I found myself siding with Lily uh, quite a bit more than I expected to. I think they but were did tra- you notice like it was misreading your choices though? Because that's what it felt like to me. Like it was yeah. Yeah. incorrectly reading my choices. Yeah, it was yes. like Kenny was like misinterpreting stuff that I had done in the first game. Like Kenny, what the fuck is your goddamn? Did problem? you guys try to save Duck uh, when the zombies attacked the fence? Remember in the first episode? Oh yeah, yeah. I I, I, d- I did not. I did I not either. So I thought maybe that's what it was about. Unfortunately, if I had known Duck was such a doofus i wouldn't have saved him tried to save him in the first game but but i did and so kenny's still giving me shit and he, and even in the i think it's based on when you get to the pharmacy and how you react to them saying he's bit mm. but i don't remember how i reacted to that but i exactly it, I don't it wasn't either. it wasn't it wasn't a clear thing like you were gonna kick him out in the street as right. i recall I, I don't recall us you know a choice like you were gonna kick the kid out but he acts like you basically no matter what you decided, like you were going to toss his kid to the street and he's got some grudge, which somehow overwrites everything else you agreed with him on through the rest of the game. So yeah, that, that bothered me too. And I actually was talking about that with someone on Twitter uh, who was saying, well, maybe that's, you know, part of him as a character that, you know, people get in these stress situations and they, their personalities and things like that, which makes sense because, you know, we're thinking of it as a game with black and white choices instead of like how real people would act mm-hmm. under yeah, that kind of how, duress. That, that's how I interpreted to interpreted it as well, because like Kenny is, I mean, like I said, Kenny throughout episode two is just making some really bad off the wall decisions. Mm-hmm. And it's like I interpreted that as him just kind of kind of losing it. Like yeah, he thinks oh, I, I didn't support him. I tell you, he shocked the hell out of me when he wait, 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 wait. Through the salt lick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, was to, I was trying to stop you right there, bro. <laughs> that was the one salt thing that lick. shocked me in oh, yeah, the game. I to talk about <laughs> wait, wait, before I yeah, before we get into that, um, I just want to say that although my gameplay experience was very similar in that I to you guys in that I totally was like supporting Kenny throughout the first episode, and then he did kind of lay into me, but it wasn't as bad as the way you guys made it sound. He literally like I can I almost thought he said. I can remember two times, like literally two times you didn't like help, you know, save him or something, which I thought was a little weird. But then once I gave him the food, he was cool with me again. So I was like, all right, it's all good. Yeah, he was asking me to go to Florida with him in his Winnebago or whatever it is. He was cool with me up until about halfway through the game. He turned on me completely, but that was because I stopped aligning with him. Let let me just finish the point anyway in terms of just the choices made. So Mm -hmm. I'm not sure – you know, whether how different the actual responses or whether we're just remembering the actual responses differently. But it didn't seem like for me, it didn't seem like he flew out of, you know, like seemed completely out of character. He seemed like he had mixed feelings, which surprised me. But but again, I couldn't remember exactly how I played. You know, it's been months since I played, you know, the first episode. So I couldn't well, say for sure. For, for, so well, I just well, let I, that go. I, 
I, I thought he was still, I mean, I thought he was still very much in character. Like his character is consistent from with the guy you met in the first game. He's just, he's not, he's not the most stand up guy there is. That, yeah. For me, it was like the conversation, the, Floridian. The, the conversation it was going about like alliances or who's, who's got who's back. And it kind of came out organically in my opinion, when Kenny said, well, you didn't help duck. My family's all I have that it seemed like it kind of went together, but it didn't strike me as being completely out of character for him. Yeah. Yeah. It, so, it, it made sense given what we, what we already knew about him. So anyway, so going now going back to what Mike says, yes, I, I gotta say that moment <laughs> when yeah. Kenny <laughs> drops the, the it, salt block on, on Larry's I'm, head. I want to, yeah. Man, that was I'm sorry. Go ahead. Dylan. I just, I want to back up a little bit and talk about Larry for a second because all throughout the game, I, I hated Larry. He's like such an asshole. I was like, I wish I had the option to like punch him in the face or just kick him out of the colony and let him die. But then when it came down to it, I tried to help save him. And that was interesting yeah. to me because I hated that's, him so much. That's exactly what I did as well. And it shocked the hell out of me that I made that choice. Me too. Because up to that point, I was like, in, in the first game, I was like, okay, at the first opportunity, I'm fucking shooting Larry in the head. Mm-hmm. And this guy's going to die. <laughs> and then it's like, I get the opportunity to, even I mean, you didn't bullet. know that he was going to get crushed with assault, <laughs> but you got the opportunity to kill him. And I'm like, well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll help him out. I'll be the good guy. And then Kenny's like, Bruh! and then I'm like, what the fuck, Kenny? Not, not only was it the opportunity <laughs> to kill him, though, it was the opportunity to kill him. Because he might be a, a zombie coming back, and yeah. still, even then, I didn't. I, I tried to save him. Yeah. Well, by that time, I had already kind of decided that I was going to try to keep the group together. So I was going to try to appease him in any way that was that was like morally and ethically okay with me. I wasn't going to bend over backwards. I wasn't going to ever back down to him. But if, if there was something within my power that I could do to help him, I would. And I wasn't going to let him die for sure. I mean, just out of curiosity, did anyone choose to kill him? No, I hated that I fucker. Not. I wanted to kill him too, but yeah. I, I was I was doing I, CPR on yeah. him as well. Yeah, <laughs> CPR'd him. It's just you it's know? it's fascinating to me that a game can make you do that. You can hate somebody so much and then when it comes down to it you try to save them. That is yeah. one of the amazing things I love about this game so much. That was that was possibly one of the more memorable gameplay moments that I've ever had mm-hmm. because I totally went against like the the it's like because I went into the game I'm like okay do I get to kill Larry do I get to kill Larry and then it's like oh yeah I do do get to kill Larry well let's not kill Larry I I thought they were building it up I thought he was gonna have some redeeming moment where he like saves one of you in in spite of himself dying or something but that didn't happen it it totally came out of nowhere it wasn't what I thought it was gonna be and it it really impressed me how well that was handled I thought yeah, yeah one one other thing I want to point out before we we say anything else is that at the very very beginning of this episode. Lee proves that you can kill a zombie in one shot with the axe. <laughs> just get him in the skull. <laughs> one Whatever, hit. Let that go, dude. It's Whatever. Over. <laughs> no, I'm just making a point. I'm just making a point. <laughs> Continue. Anyway. Uh, can we talk about Doug for a second? Did anybody keep Doug from the last game? I did not. Oh, no. no. Okay, because no. I was interested to see how that would have affected I, the camera. I was, I was thinking about that as I played, like, wonder how different this is if, if Doug were mm-hmm. here. I also... Like, were there any remote controls that need fixing? Yeah. Or... <laughs> well, there was, like, camera, but I also want to comment on one of the stupidest things in the last game. The only thing I really had a problem with the last game is how a grown woman didn't know how to use batteries in a radio. Right. And they commented on that, and, like, she was like, you'll never let me yeah. live that down. I thought that was cool, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was a nice little touch at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was great. I mean, clearly, clearly, whoever wrote that line in episode one, I mean, 
How stupid was that, dude? Like, you guys were so desperate for a puzzle. Like, you made her seem like a complete moron. <laughs> yeah. So you yeah. could get your stupid battery puzzle in there? Give me a break. But, I, you know, so, I, so while we're talking about this, I wanted to ask you guys your thought about at the end of the segment when you finally get the camera working or the recorder, whatever it's supposed to be, and you watch that footage. Was that kind of confusing to anybody? Because I yes. watched it and I wasn't quite sure what they were trying to tell me with yeah, it, it, and it was a little murky. I mean, what did you yeah. what did you guys it think? It seemed like it was supposed to be a big moment and it just came off confusing. And it would have been much better to like have a cliffhanger where like you, you he sees what's on the camera, but you don't see it till the next episode. That's what I was thinking was going to happen. At, at first, I thought that 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 woman who had the camera that uh, that Danny kills, I thought it was supposed to be Clementine's mother. Yeah. But I mean, that, that's that's not possible because like no, their no, mo- yeah. her mother was like in. Where is it? Savannah. Like Florida or something. Yeah. Savannah or something. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I yeah. thought it was kind of a. Oh, go, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chief. No, I just thought it was. The, the thought had crossed my mind for a split second that that might be your mom, but then I quickly realized that's impossible as well. And I thought it, it, it was a nice way to sort of just unsettle the whole thing to just sort of make you realize there's people watching you the whole time. Yeah. And that how this, she gets the hat. Yeah, then exactly. It explains how she got the hat, and she's just so that so creepy and so fucked up that she literally just stalked her the whole time and ended up taking the hat. And so that kind of just was like a little disturbing. But yeah, that was I actually thought that was pretty cool. I, I and if any if any have any confusion, I thought that was a part of the thing. Just to, you know, I think but, it was meant to be a little disorienting. I don't think it had the effect that they wanted, though. I don't think the hat I would is, agree. I've, oh, I'm sorry, Mike. No, uh, I was just gonna say the hat thing is funny as shit because I was so pissed off because I spent all like ten minutes at the beginning of the game walking around the fucking hotel yeah. area trying to find the <laughs> goddamn <laughs> hat. Yeah. Thinking I was totally. supposed to find it then and it's not there. <laughs> here I wasn't supposed to find it. Mm-hmm. You know what's funny? I never had that. I never had that piece of dialogue, so I didn't even realize that until uh, later. Oh wow. That, that was my. Do I leave the pharmacy now or do I try to get this thing mm-hmm. later? You know, like the yeah. break. Yeah. I mean, but to but to me, I I agree with Dylan. I think it would I think it would have been cool if it was more clearly laid out. But I think it was kind of muddled. And as I was watching it, I was having a discussion with another uh, critic who was playing it at the same time, not at our site, a different site. And they were kind of feeling the same way, except for they felt like it was supposed to be more of a lead-in to episode three, as in now you deal with the people who are stalking you, which is a cool thing. But I, I don't. I mean, I, if you guys got more of it than I did, great. I mean, I was playing it at like 2 a.m., so maybe I was tired or something. But I watched it, and I'm like, so what are they trying to say? Like, somebody's watching, but I don't get... There yeah. wasn't like a like a gut punch moment in that video. It was just kind of like it kind of... What? Like, I don't, I don't get like the... The hook to it. Maybe it's just. Me. I almost feel like if they hadn't have if they hadn't have had that scene midway through the game at the camp where you meet the woman, it would have been a lot creepier at the end when you realize there's somebody yeah. watching you. I agree. I agree. Because yeah, then you'd be like, what, "This woman, dead. what's this?" And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Richard, you had that question. Uh, yeah. Um, one of the one of the hooks about this game is that, uh, or not the hooks, but I mean, one of the features about this game is at the end you get to see how your choices matched up with like other players at a whole like it shows you that percentage bar of like you know 44 percent of people did this Uh, at the end of this game i noticed i was more or less in line with the majority um i made there were a couple of choices where i was for most of the choices i was either in the majority or in the minority by like a very small Mm -hmm. amount Mm -hmm. what there was one choice where i was in the extreme 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 minority on i I was one of only excited to hear this I was only one of like seventeen percent of people. Let me, that let killed. me. I was. Hmm? I was going to say, let me guess what it was. <laughs> uh, go ahead. Were you? Did you shoot the woman? No, oh, okay. I didn't. Go ahead. I, I killed. I killed both of the farmers. Oh. 
and it was only like 70 percent of yeah. people of but people that killed do you know them. why i didn't kill the farmer because i was like shit if they die they come back as a zombie i don't want him back yeah. as a zombie but at the end when the other one was telling me the and i kicked him into the fence because i was just sick of their shit by that time yeah i my, my reasoning was i mean if i kill them they come back as a zombie yeah but if i kill if i don't kill them then he's going to come back with a gun mm-hmm. and then kill me and eat me mm-hmm. so i'm like i'll tell i'll deal with the zombie because the zombie is slow and stupid <laughs> I, I want I want to talk about the decision at the end with the car because I yeah. that that was the one decision in the game I think I actually mulled over for a little while because that was I think a, that's the one where I ended up in the minority really because I didn't take anything I really oh you did I, oh, wow. I didn't take anything either actually I totally took it I totally I'm, I'm a sucker down. for Clementine and being a role model mm-hmm. <laughs> she's got to learn, you know, learn how to survive man she's got to <laughs> learn how to survive I mean the, 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 it's one thing if they were there and everything but no one was there you she, don't know what happened to them they could have gotten killed already she looks up to me I can't disappoint her it's a, I'm, you're, that's you're, exactly you can't waste how, that food that, and, and, ex- okay, Richard. It was, so it was okay to kill those two brothers in front of her face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I it, didn't that makes no sense, dude. Clementine no can read sense. violence in a comic, but she can't watch them kiss. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, Clementine knew I did. Th- I did that stuff to keep everyone safe. Whereas, like, you know, we don't take the stuff out of this car because it might belong to someone else. But whereas, you're like, keeping everyone safe by taking the food that you need. <laughs> it's okay later. <sighs> we're eating each other. I don't know. She look up to me while I'm gnawing on her leg. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I, I do think. Let oh, me ask you guys. Go ahead. Speaking of Clementine, I, I have to know. So I, I was unable to stop her from eating the human meat because at that time I was fucking with the controls and I couldn't get Lee out of the room. He kept getting stuck on like the chest that was at the foot of the bed or whatever, and I was screaming because I couldn't like physically walk him around it. Did any of you guys stop her from eating the meat, or is that just like you can't stop? I got her to no, spit it out. She, yeah, I got, her to sp- I got her to spit it out. I don't know if you can stop her from eating it. Okay, okay. I don't. Th- I don't think no, she I did. ever. I got her to stop. I yeah, she never put it in her mouth. For me, it never. Yeah. I was a yeah. little late too. I was. I was still rooting through things in the cabinets or something. Um, I, I actually watched my brother replay most of the first episode, and the choices that people like the other conversation choices were the conversation was significantly different. I was impressed by that, and I was also impressed. By and this isn't really episode two, but this is the series in general. A lot of times, like when there's a lot of arguing going on, the way that you have to make the conversation choices is done in such a way where there's rarely a point in the game where the conversation just stalls completely, waiting for you to make a choice. And I really like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it keeps the pressure on you. Yeah, you and time to sit there and mull over your conversational options. Yeah, and and you remember how we all thought that they were setting up a relationship between Lee and uh, I can't remember her name, Larry's daughter. Carly. Yeah. Lily. Oh, Lily. Like Carly, uh, yeah. That that didn't end up happening, and then in, in the second episode, you find out kind of that Larry has had a hard life, and she's all that he has left, and it made more sense why he said what he said, and it wasn't like they were trying to force a relationship, which I thought was cool too. Yeah. Well, but they haven't done. Totally yeah. Love you because yeah, he tried to save her dad. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, I think overall this was a. I really liked it. I liked it even better than the first episode, even though it was kind of telegraphed. It was kind of dark. I think I would play the first episode again before I play the second one again. But I really liked it a lot. I think it's a, they're doing a great job with it. Mm-hmm. I, I think if they can keep this up for another three episodes and they can finish out all five, I think they've got I think they've got an actual classic on their hands. They've got one of my top ten games of all time so far as long as I don't fuck it up. And I don't think they will. They're doing an awesome job. <laughs> I hope not yeah. anyway. 
Yeah, I think I think the number one complaint we had from the first game was the sort of, you know, uh, silly puzzles that didn't make a lot of sense, and mm-hmm. there wasn't any any kind of odd puzzles in this game. So I think you know that's already a big yeah. step up already. No, it just took uh, it just took me a while to figure out how to get the guy out of the barn. Yeah, me too. Uh, oh really? Yeah. I kept turning off that fucking power yeah, switch and over just and walk over. out and turn it back <laughs> on and fucking walk back in there. And then the one time you tell him his brother wants him and he like comes right back and I was like, what the fuck, man? I did that the first time and then I then I just went out and I just sort of figured it out from there. It, it kind of actually played out pretty smoothly for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually figured that out pretty quick. Like the one the one thing that it took me a while to figure out is that when you're trying to unscrew like the the lock from the door it's like you have to click on each individual screw and i was yeah. trying to like click on the lock i'm like why the fuck can i click on it what the hell am i supposed to do here it's it's crazy to me how see i had no problem with that it's it's cool to me how many different people struggle with the different puzzles in the game i also really enjoyed being in charge of the food and deciding who got to eat <laughs> i really like that part i don't know that, why that was so harsh that man. was that tough was like, yeah that was that really was really hard, hard. it was but it, it, you really had yeah. to think it made you think this this game's choices were actually a lot harder than than the first episodes mm-hmm. i thought they they i don't know if it's because you know everybody now and so you feel differently about them or you're trying to really pick the best thing and there are it's a situation where there are no best choices but you know there were definitely some and tough decisions in this did, one did anyone give um a piece of food to to larry no no I, really I, I did give a piece of food. I gave I did, one to yeah. I gave one to him and Mark because they were working on the fence and they probably needed food. It's like I gave one to him, Mark, uh, the two kids, Duck and Clementine, and um, I forget who I gave the last piece to. I, I think that. Uh, I you only got four. Yeah, I thought you only got four. Yeah, you only get four. Oh, did you? you? Only get four. The thing yeah. about oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's right. You're right. The thing about the game, I, I don't know 100 percent that the choices you make matter all that much in the grand scheme of the story. But I'm so wrapped up in the story that I really think uh, hard on the choices, and that's a testament to the writing and the voice acting. The the actor for Lee is amazing. I think he's a great actor. Um, mm-hmm. We should probably wrap up. Does anybody else have anything they want to add to this conversation real quick? Yeah, I just got to mention real quick, Mike, that I'm surprised you didn't bring up the one line from uh, Kenny when he talks to uh, Lee about being able to pick a lock because he's urban. Yeah. And he's like, really? And he's like, oh, shoot, I'm from Florida, man. You know, we don't know what the hell we're talking about down there. <laughs> I was thinking of you, Mike. These rednecks here don't know nothing bunch of cracker racists <laughs> um it's a great game uh it's totally worth the five dollars uh episode one is also worth the five dollars it's i would pay way more than five dollars for this game uh each episode I, w- I would say just go for the season pass yeah yeah I, the dice. I, I would have had i known it's it's a great game um we are going to wrap it up thank you guys for listening and submitting questions you can Follow us on Twitter at Game Critics, and you can follow us on Facebook at Game Critics, and you can go to GameCritics.com to download more episodes of the podcast. I'm Dylan Collins for Chi Kong Lu, Richard Nyack, Brad Galloway, and Mike Bracken. Game on. Game on.